welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. This week we're throwing it back to 1997-1998, a podcast I've wanted to do for a little while and now seems like as good a time as any to do this retrospective. It's turned into a huge podcast, but we love recording it, researching it and revisiting some memories, good and bad with the Blades, so hopefully you will too. Uh, Finally, on behalf of myself and Andrew, I just want to say I hope all of you and your families are staying safe and healthy during all of this. We'll be back with even more Blades podcast content soon, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this season retrospective. Well, Bocchus with it. Whelan's header, Nielsen up there. Joined now by Andrew. How you doing, mate? How are you surviving without football? Oh, it's rubbish, isn't it? I mean, there's obviously bigger things at play, but it's just... I watched the uh, United Wednesday 4-2 one last night because it were on uh, EFL's Greatest Games and obviously like, oh, great memories, and you think, oh, that could be a long time before we see something like that again. But anyway, that's starting off a, a positive note, isn't it? So... <laughs> Yeah, well, this is uh, this is going to be a podcast of uh, of ups and downs. I think we're going to throw it back to 1997, 1998, which is, I guess, it's kind of ancient history now. It's 23 years ago, which is a mm. strange thing to say. But yeah, I've been uh, I've been wanting to do this for a while. We we're going to originally run this um, during the uh, well, the international break that was in, originally intended to come up at the end of this month. But obviously, now is uh, an even up even better opportunity to uh, to roll it out there. Um, so we're going to go through the whole season. It was, it was a crazy season in hindsight. Um, I mean, it's a crazy season to to live through as well. But I, I do think this this particular season has, has sort of stood the test of time. Of like, there's just so much that happened, and so much of it was stupid and infuriating, but also incredible moments, memories that will have lived with me right the way through my United supporting lifetime and I think will go on endure well into the future. Some phenomenal players turned out um, for United, some awful ones as well, which we will also mention. This is going to be a a warts and all review, I suppose. Um, But I guess guess one of the main reasons I wanted to do this season was like, I think it was the, as a fan, it was the first one I was like properly hyped for going into the season. Were you? I think I started going in '95, maybe or '96. But See, I, I started going in about '88 with my dad, but I can't remember a thing about that, right? Uh, because I was too young. The first season I was proper into it. I were only really young, so I say properly into it. But where I sort of knew what was going on and cared about the results were actually '99. But I'm what six years, seven years old or whatever then. Mm. So um, I was obviously not, but. I was still at school with this one, but I was sort of old enough to be completely understand everything that were going on. Like, for instance, when you're young, and we, we saw Brian Dean when we sold him the first time around, and I were only 
I don't know how old they were, 10 year old or something like that. So I think, oh, Dino's gone. You didn't really understand the workings of the ball. I didn't really understand why my dad was so angry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we told him, uh, I, 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 like shouting at this guy called Reg Brealey. We're like, who's he? So this was like sort of the one of the first seasons where I were fully, fully understood, you know, the workings of Sheffield United as a football club and football in general, I think. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, this, this is, I think, the point where I became obsessive about football, I think. You know, it was the... Mm-hmm. The year of uh, it sounds sounds an obvious thing to say, but the year of Championship Manager ninety seven ninety eight. That was my first proper champ manager yeah. football manager thing, and managing this Blades team where where bad things did not happen in the game as they did in real life. So yeah, became like very obsessive about um, you know all the sort of well minutiae of the club, I suppose. Yeah, you know, the, the... on the Champ Man thing, sorry, just put in. Like, we used to have a game like in this era where ninety seven ninety eight uh, version of Champ Man. And we always used to, like, we'll start on second division, uh, or third, whatever it was called then, first division, uh, and we'll see who can, like, get, get, get promoted. And everybody just wanted to be Middlesbrough because they had, like, Merson and Gascoigne and, you know, all these, like, amazing, <laughs> amazing players. Uh, did, I think they even had Giannino, didn't they, that season as well? Maybe. Probably going know. into the season, yeah. Yeah, so everyone, I remember Middlesbrough that season, just as a sort of a, a forward for this podcast, were so much the favourites that season with the players they bought and stuff, and a certain Brian Robson manager as well of them. Of course, yeah. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of like inter interwoven parts of United's past and future, mm. I suppose, in yeah. this one. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think also it was a it was a very Sheffield United season in terms of I think it informed a lot of the feelings that we're kind of only recently shaking off about United. You know, this <laughs> it's all going to come crashing down. You know, something's going to go wrong. Blah 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 blah. Which I, I really do think we've only shed as a fan base in the last couple of years and you know obviously yeah. some people maybe they'll never shed it but yeah it was um a lot a lot went on and uh, I wanted to talk about it in detail so that's what we're going to do we're going to go through the entire season we're going to yeah tick off the big moments the the mem- the things that have stuck in the memory some things that I either did not know or had completely forgotten about you have trawled through many a program researching <laughs> yes. this I have read some interviews with uh with United chairman Mike McDonald which I was not aware of previously to this as well and yeah there's uh there's a lot to talk about so let, let's get started it is the summer of 1997 Sheffield United lose to Crystal Palace in the playoff final the previous season and I think that was in some ways a tipping point for me to be hyped about the next season because I'd I think I got it into my head and I, I still don't know if this is true and I have not looked it up but in my head, the loser of the playoff final always got promoted the next season by being brilliant or, you know, just was really, really good in the league. So I was excited for United going into 97, 98. But yeah, that was uh, that that losing moment to um, to Palace in the playoff finals was a, you know, that was the first of what would prove to be many playoff final defeats. Yeah. Last minute, David Hopkins curling it into the uh, top corner past Simon Tracy. We, we that's, that's second playoff fight. Sorry, second playoff defeat that, weren't it? Because the first one were in '88. Yeah, uh, with Bristol City, we were different then. Where you sort of you played the team below you. So if you were bottom three, you, you were third bottom. You'd play the team who finished third from top in the division below, and we lost that and ended up getting relegated. So, but it, we, we hadn't got to that playoff curse by this point, even after losing against. Palace, I don't think. I think we all went to Wembley that day. I mean, again, I like was young, but I think we 
almost certainly had a better team than Crystal Palace. Yeah, uh, I think we've uh, done the double over them in the season. Yeah, um, and I think they just scraped in the last couple of weeks. I still got the playoff uh, final book, actually. And I think they just scraped in, like went on a bit of a run towards the end of the season, just scraped in, whereas we were in and out of the top two all the way through up until about March and then dropped into the playoffs and then got that amazing win away at Ipswich where mm. Ipswich were on fire. I think they'd like not lost for like 20 games or something. And we went through and away goals. And I think it were all just pointing towards the fact that we were going to go up. And then it was probably the worst game of football I've ever seen. <laughs> it was atrocious, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Hot day. Uh, I think, oh, I can't remember, did Fjortov go off injured or someone like that? I remember no, Keith... Hutchinson went off injured Hutchinson, and uh, Spackman came on. Oh, wow. Blimey. Well, talking of which, we are obviously managed by Howard Kent. I can still see Hopkins' goal in my mind's eye, by the way. I don't think I'll ever... I watched it back not so long ago, actually. That, not the full game, obviously. There's just some highlights on it. And... Um, I say highlights. There were about two shots either way. So yeah, still still goes in. So (laughs) there's that moment where a United player almost gets on the end of a cross. That's the highlight for us for the entire game. You know what? Even like that was so long ago. I genuinely remember that moment being there, and like that was probably the only time I really left my seat in the entire game. It was that boring. Yeah, it was pretty bad. We were managed, of course, by Howard Kendall um, at this point, but not for much longer. That was Kendall's last match as Sheffield Sheffield. United manager. He left to rejoin Everton in the Premier League uh, in June. I think that was his third spell there. It was certainly yeah, one of three. Yeah. Um, Spackman, you mentioned him there. Who? It was already a player coach, I believe, under Kendall, wasn't he? At the yeah, time? that's right. I, I think he, he wasn't well liked by the fans as a player. Hmm. He uh, was uh, sort of. He was almost like the backup for Hutchinson, I think. And was never anywhere near as good. He was basically a player who were way past his best. Yeah, so how how old was he then? Any idea? Oh, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Sorry. Must have been late 30s. At least, yeah, he was a young manager, but an old player. So <laughs> Yeah, indeed. So he was, he was appointed as the, uh, the, the caretaker, I suppose, mm. um, by then-chairman Mike McDonald, who, uh, as I mentioned, we will, we will have quite a bit more on later on. Um, a complete unknown, obviously. You know, as I say, he was a player coach, but as, as far as I'm aware, I had zero experience in management. Yeah. So that was that was a shift because Kendall was very highly thought of, I believe, at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he'd had a bit. Of, his career taken a little bit of a nosedive. Um, mm. Obviously, won all the trophies ever in the '80s, and he ended up in like Greece. Uh, and then we plucked him, and obviously did really well with us, kept us up, and then although he did spend a lot of money for the time as well. Well. Uh, he did put a team together. Spackman were 37, by the way. Nice one. Um, yeah, uh, hold that thought on uh, Kendall spending a lot of money, actually. Um, um, in terms of the business that we did that summer, so obviously, as I said, you know, we'd we'd had a good season in 96, 97. The intention was clearly, despite the loss of the manager, the intention was clearly build on that, get promoted the next season. And um, you can't say that Spackman was not backed, to be fair. We, uh, we spent three quarters of a million on a... Greek right back called Vaspabokis. Who that I, transfer was already in place before Spackman uh, actually became manager. That was our Kendall's last signing. Ah, good shout! But he never played. But he uh, never played under Kendall. But that were actually Howard Kendall signing, which makes me think probably Dallas was as well because I think they came around the same time. Yeah, Traianos Dallas is uh, another Greek international. Obviously, was uh, I think he was the captain of Greece at Euro 2004. He was a Euro mm. Euro 2004 winner. Um, he played for Rome, and he ended up having an excellent career, Dallas. He re- he's probably, I think it's him and Jagielka are the two you can point to that um, went mm. on to bigger and better things, I suppose, yeah. when they left United. Um, someone who'd, who'd had a fantastic career, but uh, was definitely towards the end of his 
his career is winding down at this point, and I, I may need you to to clarify what actually ended up happening with him. But Paul McGrath, <laughs> the legendary Paul McGrath, um, mm. signed on a month to month contract to strengthen the defence. We also signed Nicky Mark, who was a midfielder from Blackburn. Mark Patterson came back on loan from Reading, I believe he'd been at. Was it I thought it was Bolton, but I could be wrong with that. I, yeah, I'll, I'll double check that. But yeah, um, the Mark Patterson thing, he was all set for a move to Burnley uh, yeah. in pre-season and he fell through because he failed a medical. So it was really surprising that he ended up coming back to us after he failed a medical at Burnley. Uh, it was Bolton, by the way, that it was at before. It was Bolton, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose the headline signing, Brian Dean, you mentioned him earlier on, returning to Bramall Lane, um, which was extremely exciting. I mean, I had not seen Dean play for us um, previously, but, you know, obviously knew all about him from my dad, you know, is, is the, the name that everyone still yeah. talks about to this day, I suppose. So that was incredibly exciting as a, as a young fan to be like, right, this, this legend of, you know, this club's history is coming back. Yeah. And, and he was in his, you know, it wasn't like a um, career winding down phase. For no, him. I mean, was it, it was only his, he went from us to Leeds, then back straight back. It wasn't as if he were like a no. I mean, in the end, he, he played for a lot of clubs, didn't he? I won't say he became Did a journeyman, but because they were all top end clubs. But, you know, he ended up playing for Leeds a couple of times and he ended up at Middlesbrough and a couple of other places. But at that point, he'd only actually played for uh, Doncaster, Rose and Leeds. Yeah, I mean, that's quite a coup. What was he? It was like 20, 28, 29 when he re-signed yeah. for us. Um, so pretty much in his prime, really. Absolutely, yeah. And as you say, you know, he went on to play for, you know, he, what's this? He probably made like another 200 appearances after he left us for... At the top flight as well. Very, he, I mean, yeah. very big clubs, yeah. Yeah. So that was exciting. Um, and yeah, Spackman initially uh, was working on a... Uh, working without a contract, which was interesting. Mm. He was he was on a, a month-to-month. Um Things started well, very, very well. Now you you have informed me. I, I don't know what your uh, citation is here, but do you want to do you want to reel off this stat? Well, the first twelve games uh, we were unbeaten, which is is a blade record for a new manager to go his first twelve unbeaten. I don't think that this was in the program at the time. I don't think that's been beaten because the only person I can think of who got near that was Danny Wilson. But I'm pretty sure he didn't go twelve unbeaten. No, I don't think he did. Uh, Warnock, I think, lost one of the first couple of games as well. Yeah, I think, I think Warnock won like the first two or three, and then it sort of, you know, went a bit iffy, and we ended up finishing like 16, 17, something. But I'm pretty sure that's the that's the best record, the best start for any manager. Mm. And, you know, even if it's been uh, pipped by somebody we can't remember, that's still, you know, over 100 years of uh, Sheffield United where uh, Spackman set the record. So, yeah, as you say, 12 games unbeaten, and it, it kicked off uh, August 10th. Sunderland at home. Sunderland newly relegated from the Premier League, I believe, with a fantastic squad. Really, yeah. really excellent team. Kevin Phillips, uh, Niall Quinn, the lot, basically. Really, yeah. really good team. And uh, we blew them off the park. It was uh, it was a fantastic performance. I think we're on Sky as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really sunny day. Um, the John Street stand was uh, officially opened later this month. So this is, uh, I think this is the first time I'd ever sat on that stand actually because it had only been rebuilt the previous year, I believe. So yeah, not, I mean, I can't. It were two years, two seasons. It were knocked down for. Yeah, it must have been. It was. Uh, it wasn't there when I started going. So yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was two seasons. Yeah, that was so, embarrassed. But even as a young kid, I remember being quite embarrassed that we had a three-sided ground for so long. <laughs> yeah, every time we just get kept getting kicked into a building site. Yeah, it's got ball boys <laughs> running round over there. Yeah. yeah. 
when I was a youngster, I didn't realise what was going on. I just thought it was taking them ages to build. I didn't realise we couldn't afford it. <laughs> Crazy. Um, do you want to just? Uh, do you want? Have you got the team in front of you for this? Sunday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The team on that first game was Tracy, Babakis, Quinn. I think was that Wayne Quinn's debut as well. It was Wayne Quinn's debut. Yeah, Paul McGraw, Carl Tyler, Dean. Uh, Dean Old, David Oldsworth, uh, Mark Patterson, Nicky Marker, Jan Alberfjordov, Brian Dean, Dane Whitehouse, and the subs were Cachorro, Andy Dibble, who I'm pretty sure didn't play for us ever, and uh, Roger Nielsen, or Rogan Nielsen, as John Watson used to call him. <laughs> Did he really used to call him Rogan Nielsen? <laughs> he used to call him Rogan Nielsen and Jostein Flew. <laughs> That's very, uh, very appropriate for, for these days, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, yeah, back in the day of only three substitutes, that was. Uh... There were five in the FA Cup in that season as well. There were three. The Premier League had five subs, and the divisions below had three. In the FA Cup, they had five. So weird, they had different sub rules. Yeah, I don't understand why that would have been the case when there were more teams in the. So the, you'd have thought the fatigue would have been higher in the division below with there being more games, but. Yeah, indeed. Right, this game it was a it was a two 0 win for the Blades, as I mentioned. Um, Vasper Bokis making his debut creates the opening goal with a cross to Fjortoft who heads it into the net Fjortoft was uh, do you know I, I watched the the whole season review video back and um, Fjortoft goals in this season are absolutely yeah. brilliant if you I mean if you just did a little montage I mean obviously uh, spoiler alert he only played half the season for us but yeah. oh, some phenomenal finishers but this is a nice flick header into the I think he's corner. the best finisher I've ever seen at United as a finisher and that includes like Billy Sharp who is obviously an amazing finisher in just the way Fjordov took goals like, I advise anyone to watch that video it's just yeah. the, you know some of the, the lobs the finishes from like basically from the byline the little yeah. like you know, there's one later in the season where he's one on one, he just does this magnificent step yeah. over to dummy the keeper and then slip it past him. Absolute class player. I loved him. And I also, um, there's something very like, I know this sounds pretty obvious because it was 20 years ago, but something very retro about his attitude as a footballer. You know, he's kind mm. of like, it just seems a little bit. I don't know, dorky? Is that, is, is that, yeah. am I being harsh? You know, and his celebrations and his like, you know, just the expression on his face all the time. He looks, it just looks like he's really enjoyed himself, which is yeah, yeah, good yeah. for him. Might, in a little, in a weird little way, it sort of reminds me a little bit of Ollie McBurney in that sense, in the sense that he doesn't really look like a footballer, if that, yeah. you know, but he's obviously incredible. So <laughs> Yeah, and he, he wheels away with that, the uh, trademark aeroplane celebration. Um, and then the uh, the favour was returned. Babakis had set up Fjortoft and Fjortoft then set up Babakis for a, a debut goal. And I, I want to talk about Vas Babakis here because mm. he was, I think, my favourite player at this point. Um, yeah. You know, he was a exciting foreign signing, which I, I don't feel like we had too many overseas players at this point. You know, there was a lot of mystery about him. He come from AEK, AEK Athens. We spent three quarters of a million on him, which was fairly yeah. big money back in those days. And what a player he was. I mean, I, I still now think, you know, when we do those like, uh, you know, if you could pick one player from the past to drop into the current United team, but Bokis versus Baldock is a, is a tough yeah, call yeah, yeah. for me. I mean, Bokis, if I remember rightly, he couldn't defend that well. It was certainly a good defender at Bal- uh, as Baldock. But you look at the videos, he's in the area more than the strikers. I mean, in that first game against uh, Sunderland, there's times where he's in the middle of the centre, you know, of the penalty mm-hmm. area just picking the ball up like a striker. And I remember all the hype about I clearly remember all the hype about Dean in that match, and everyone was saying, Brian Dean's back, and understandably, you know, big hero. And none of us expected, none of us knew anything about the Bokis. And that, that was one that arguably the best debut I've ever seen from a United player. Oh, just that. that's a just, good topic. 
I, I just can't. I can't be, just purely in a, out of a pure exciting sense. Yeah. It you was, know, he, he was so dynamic. He was, he was the most attacking right back, or he was a wing back at the time, obviously, that, that I'd ever seen. He it, it was almost a pure winger, wasn't he? Yeah. Like just, yeah. yeah, proper, like really skillful, just constantly dribbling at players, trying to take them on. Like, as you say, you know, he had the he had the bulldog engine, if you like, of getting up and down the pitch. Brilliant. It's interesting to note the year before, Mitch Ward, I'm pretty sure Mitch Ward either won our player of the season or was sort of, you know, one of the mm. the, 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 the the big heroes of that season. Uh, and and in, in all the Kendall era, and Kendall will come on to it, he obviously ended up buying him this season as well. It's very for a Premier League move. So to bring him in and bring him straight in, I presume Mitch Ward were injured because he went on the bench for the first few months or something. Yeah. And to perform like that, it's just wow. <laughs> we uh, we had a lot of injuries this season. Um, we had a lot of players, luckily. So. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. What, what, again, watching that review video, it comes up time and time again that you know, oh, we've lost some more players to injury, blah blah yeah. blah. So, but yeah, Babok is phenomenal. For anyone who didn't see him, uh, Baldock is the closest we've come to him in. Uh, in 22 years, I suppose. And yeah, he uh, he was a, a right-footed right-back, but he finished sublimely on his left foot in this game. Like It was a lovely reverse pass from Fjortoft. And mm-hmm. yeah, Babok is running from the right side of the penalty area to the left, just smashed it in with his left foot. And uh, yeah, brilliant player. I loved watching him. Uh, a great free-kick taker as well, which uh, will come up later on in this. Um, I think immediately after this game, Spackman was made permanent manager August 12th. Mm-hmm. So... Well done, you know. We we watched that one game and thought this is it. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll which we make... did actually. We did that later in the season, which we'll come on to with Steve Thompson as well. We did the exact same thing. Yeah, indeed. Um, we had the official opening of the John Street Stand with a friendly against Everton of all teams, where uh, yeah, Howard the, Kendall had uh, a left. massive friendly against Everton. I think that was the part of the deal of uh, Kendall going to Everton that we got a prestigious. Prestigi- I can't, can't say it. Prestigious. <laughs> prestigious friendly <laughs> against Everton uh, as part of the. Yeah, I think we got hammered four 0 actually. That does sound familiar. So that became a bit of a meme, didn't it? You know, we'll sell him for twenty quid and uh, get friendly. friendly. Yeah. yeah, we did it. We said it was Tottenham, didn't we, with a Walker, Walker and Norton? Oh, yes, so we did. Um, so followed the uh, the draw at Sun, uh, the draw a win against Sunderland with a nil nil draw against Wolves, and then a two one home win against Portsmouth with Fjortoft getting both goals. Brilliant goals, both of them as well. That was the uh, <laughs> the second one, I think it was, for Fjortov. He did the most outrageous dive as he went past the yeah. goalkeeper. It seemed like he realised it was outrageous, so picked himself up and just curled it into the net from the byline. <laughs> Why didn't he just yeah, do that in the first place? Yeah, unbelievable finish. And I, yeah. The first one was that brilliant lob as well from 20-odd yards, when it where he just... I don't think anybody thought he was going to do that. Just no, no. I'd like to say, as a finisher... He had a few things to his game, Fjord, if I remember rightly. What weren't, I don't think he was the hardest working, for instance, uh, player. Uh, mm. But as a finisher, you just, yeah, you're absolutely lethal. It really was. Um, another 0 0 draw away at Huddersfield. Uh, and then a 1 0 win against Nottingham Forest at home, which I remember quite clearly. Gareth Taylor scored mm. an absolute thunderbolt. Yeah. Um, I mean, just, uh, I think it, it sort of dropped him right on the edge of the air and it just volleyed it past the goalkeeper. Like, Right in the top corner. The keeper didn't even move. That was a really good Forest team, actually. Yeah, it was. They, yeah. Like... they ended up winning the league, didn't they? Oh, did they? Blimey. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pierre van Hooydonk played for them, I think. Yeah, I that's correct. That. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the rest of the team. Interestingly, but... in that game, Taylor was on the bench, and because Fjord... Dean were injured, and Fjord off a paired up front with Andy Scott. 
Wow, must have been a pretty rare run out for Andy Scott. I yeah, guess. I mean, we, at that point as well, we also still had Andy Walker, so it was quite surprising that Andy Scott were sort of picked above Taylor and Walker. Yeah, what happened there? Um, Taylor with one of the lame, I have to say, one of the lamest celebrations I've ever seen, <laughs> like relative to how good the goal was, just sort yeah. of ambled towards the cop. It was scored at the Bramall Lane end and just did like, just the, the, the weakest Klinsman dive I've ever seen. <laughs> but you know how uh, Henderson did that flop after Buendia's shot last week? Yeah, they it was, were. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was basically that. It was pretty bad. Um, next game won 4-2 away at Oxford. Um, I have memories of this being our first away win for absolutely ages. It wasn't quite as long um, as I first thought, but it was the first win since Boxing Day the previous yeah. year. So it was... Was that? That's Not- incredible that when you think about it, we got in the playoffs that year before and we didn't win after Boxing Day away from home. Yeah, so it was. Uh, this is 20th of September, so you're going nine full months without an away win. Uh, it's a 4-2 win. It was Dean's first league goal. Um, Bobby Ford was sent off against us for Oxford. I'm mentioning him because yeah. we signed him not not too long after this, actually. No, he had ball on the line. It was a good save, actually. It was a very good save. Yeah, yeah two, hand, <laughs> two-handed, pushes it over the bar. Um, and we ended up winning uh, winning that game 4-2. Uh, a nil-nil draw with Birmingham followed when we missed a penalty. In fact, I want to just mention penalties because they, they do become important. We were so bad at them this season. Yeah. It was like, it was a joke. So... We were bad at penalties for a long time, for about 15 years, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, under Bassett, we were awful at penalties uh, for, for a long time. I can't think of the but I remember us missing loads of penalties under Bassett. Uh, John Gannon blasted one over the bar, for instance. And then sort of this season, the season after this, when Steve Bruce was manager, we, I think we went through like four or five penalty takers because they, they were all just missing. Saunders missed. Wayne Quinn missed. Uh, I think Andy Campbell had one like, the season. We were just awful at penalties for years, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, it was it was so strange. Um, I, I noted them down actually. We played. We were playing in the uh, the Coca Cola Cup. It actually was called that at this point. It's not yeah, me. Yeah. It's not me being an old man. Uh, I couldn't work out who missed this one from the replay uh, from the video because it's not clear. And uh, one thing that does pervade throughout that video is the amount of times the commentator gets the goal scorer wrong as well. There's yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. What was it? There's something like I think at one point they say like uh, uh, they said that Craig Short scored or Chris Short yeah, might be. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Short scored, and it was, like, uh, it was Gareth Taylor. It was Gareth Taylor. Yeah, <laughs> it was his first goal. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's like, right back, mate. That's Gareth Taylor. Um, anyway, so someone missed one against Wrexham in the uh, Coca Cola Cup. Then Dean missed one in the Oxford game I just mentioned. Uh, Fiotov did score one um, in the same game. But Bokis missed one against Birmingham in the game just mentioned. Saunders missed one against Ipswich later on. And then Hutchison scored one against Ipswich in the replay of that FA Cup yeah. game. So, yeah, we, we really churned through them at that point. Um, right, where were we? Back uh, back into the league. Uh, a massive win at Middlesbrough uh, in October. A 2-1 away win. As you said, that was a very strong Middlesbrough team. Huge favourites to, uh, to go straight back up. But goals from uh, Dean and Whitehouse gave us... A 2-1 win in that one. Um, another name that will become more prevalent, I suppose, later on, gave us... Uh, well, actually, we, I remember we blew this game. It was 2-all against QPR at home, but Baboki scored. And Marcelo. Memories of Marcelo. I think he was... Uh, he were on, Was he on trial for a bit? And then we signed him. I think that's right. Um, and the, oh, every time someone mentions Marcelo to me, I don't know if you're aware of this. Do you remember John Marcelo? <laughs> I do remember John Marcelo. Do you remember this thing that went on in the star and the green and where it was always referred to as John Marcelo? 
<laughs> yeah, I do, but I've no idea why. It's just, well, I just accepted I, I did a, it. a very small amount of digging, and I think the the reason behind this, from what I can gather, is due to the layout system used in the star for games because they had the same layout for every team. They were unable to handle single name players, <laughs> so whoever <laughs> did the uh, you know the, I don't think it had been Tony Pritchett who, who wrote for the Star at the time. I imagine it's the you know the, the editor or the guys who are putting everything together, and they just put John before his name, John Marcello. <laughs> Now, clearly his name's not John Marcello, <laughs> but for the entirety of his, his career in the Green and, and in the Sheffield Star, Marcello was known as John Marcello in the uh, Star, which is incredible, uh, because it's, I just think, why? <laughs> it's a lovely tidbit. Do you, uh, do you know what his, full, his actual full name is without looking? No, I imagine it's about six names, though. <laughs> it's just one of those things that I realised... I can still remember <laughs> from 1998 when is I came San- to Santos or something. It's Marcelo dos Santos Cipriano, and I can tell oh. you, I did not look that up. Without, wow, that's uh, amazing! Uh, it's not John Marcelo. <laughs> it's not John Marcelo. No, it's um, I don't know why. I think I just. I mean, look, he was a Brazilian striker. I wanted him to be amazing when I was that age. And... He didn't play like a Brazilian striker, not because he was poor, <laughs> but he was just like a proper old-fashioned centre-forward, weren't he? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely bang on. I think I wanted him to be a bit more than that. But he did uh, He did score 20 league goals the following season. And we um, sold him, funnily enough. Well, it's not like United. Yes. But yeah, he was banging him in and we decided to sell him just as we were on the cusp of the playoffs. So. Yeah, that's. Uh, but that's it. You know, not many, uh, not many strikers have managed that for us. Or not many players full stop, I suppose. No. Like, probably yeah. the next one was Michael Brown, I guess. I've and he scored quite a few goals this season. He's just have a did, yeah. quick, quick look. Um, he, he got he six and twelve, which. Uh, which uh, oh, sorry, six in the league. Sorry, I'm looking at. Yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, he, that's not a bad return at all. Not all, and uh, yeah, has a has a decisive part to play in this season, old John Marcello. So yeah, unfortunately, we ended up. Uh, I, I do remember being that was a, a real sickness that game in terms of like I think it's. Uh, I want to say Steve Gallen, maybe, or Kevin. Yeah, they were a poor team that season as well, QPR. I think they uh, finished fourth from bottom that year. So Yeah, it was like a 95th-minute equaliser at Bromwell Lane. Um, the next game was much more enjoyable. Uh, a 5-1 whooping of Stockport County at home with a Jan Argafjortov hat-trick, uh, a goal from Dean, and another from Dane Whitehouse as well. Yeah. And that concluded the uh, 12-match opening run. Uh, we lost the next game 2-0 at West Brom, but then went on uh, on another nice little run as well. Yeah. It was ar- around this time that we uh, got knocked out of the Coca-Cola Cup, I believe, as well, in the third round. By Walsall, obviously. Their hoodoo did not start that season. but Obviously, they sent us down to the fourth division, and then that were a massive shock defeat. I think I don't know if they were in the bottom tier that that season or the, or the one above, but it were another shock defeat to Walsall again. So. <laughs> mm. It's funny when um, I, I look. You, you, I was looking at the, um, you know, everyone sort of is, is kind of known that the League Cup is is coming to an end, I suppose. But if you look at the, I mean, this is going back to nineteen ninety seven. The attendances back then, oh. Yeah, seven, seven thousand, there were eight thousand at Walsall, which I don't think is too far off there for that game where they beat us, which I don't think is too far off their average attendance. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, but for us, we had oh, seven yeah. thousand at home to Wrexham, seven and a half thousand at home to Watford, who I think were Division Two at that point. Yeah, they were, so yeah, Division League below, One yeah. equivalent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, people didn't give a crap about the League Cup then either. It turns out. Um, so we lost that game to West Brom. Uh, West Brom were a bit of a bogey team for us around this period. Actually, obviously this is a pre-battle of uh, Bramall Lane by a couple of yeah. years. Um, but then we went on a nice little run. We only lost three of the next twenty, uh, yeah. all three of which were away. 
Um, we uh, feel free to jump in if there's any uh, interesting details here. But we went into November. 2-1 win over Tranmere, goals from Carl Tyler and Gareth Taylor. A 1-0 win away at Reading with um, Patterson getting what was possibly his only goal for us. I, I yeah, him... uh, uh, give me two secs. I'll just have a... Uh... I remember him being a very poor footballer. He was like Nick Montgomery before Nick Montgomery. He was like really yeah, poor footballer. He got four goals for us in his entire career wow. in 84 matches. That's much better than I expected. I take it all back. <laughs> Um, that was the, I believe, our last visit to Elm Park as well. Um, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. They moved to the Medeski Stadium, I think, the following season. Um, Two-all draw away at Ipswich with goals from uh, Gareth Taylor and Mitch Ward. Oh, actually, got to double click into this. What a strike. I completely yeah. forgot about this. Mitch Ward comes off the bench in that game. And, uh, yeah, I actually, watching the highlights, I was like, wow, where did that come from? Just Yeah. And well, the, the thing is with Mitch Ward, obviously we'll come on to the sales later, but that was actually his, uh, he only played two more games for his after that before he was sold to Everton. Oh, man, that's sad. I really I really liked him. He was one of my yeah. favourites as well, first couple of seasons. I, like I say, I imagine he were, I, I've got no proof on this, but I imagine he were injured at the start of the season because he weren't on the bench or anything. And I do remember the season before that he, uh, he, he had a real impact. So he didn't come onto the bench or anything until the Stockport game in October. So I presume he had an injury. Yeah, but this goal was just beautiful. I mean, if you, uh, it's, it's worth watching the season review thing just for this, to be honest. It drops him on the edge of the box and uh, left footer just crashes it into the roof of the net. Yeah, live on Sky, that one as well. That was Sunday. I remember ah. watching uh, oh, What pub were it? The Sheaf near uh, Millhouse. Oh, yeah, Oh, right, nice one. Yeah, I remember watching it there with my dad. and um, Yeah, because obviously they, they were the two playoff semi-finalists from the year before, weren't they, United and Ipswich? Yeah. So that was a bit... big game. And uh, I think Donaldson ended up yeah, Donaldson ended up going in goal because um, Tracy got sent off. I think it must be. Well, it's normally Tracy, isn't it? So, yeah, it was Tracy. <laughs> yeah, Tracy got sent off. So. Oh, no way. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, we had... Uh, so we must have had four goalkeepers play for us this season because there's... Uh, Another case of an outfielder going in goal yeah. uh, later on as well. Um, yeah, you're right. I guess Ipswich were a little bit of a rival, I suppose. They had quite a spiky playoff uh, semi-finals with them, as you mentioned. And uh, the whole Maurizio, Tarico, uh, one of the all-time villains, I suppose, of um, opposition players well, against United. In the last season, uh, the, the last programme of the season, there is a, because there's like a United programme end of season awards thing, which I'll come on to later on. But the, one of the things is, who, who is the uh, biggest villain of the season? Um, and he comes third to Rico. Paul Gascoigne's in second place for some reason. And uh, the top one is uh, Hamilton Ricard. <laughs> Again, we'll come on to later on, but yeah. So, but Tariko, whatever he's called, he, he were uh, yeah, he came third in our most hated list that year. I wonder what Gaza did. I don't know if any. I mean, I know he played against. Probably just but... being good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, followed that Ipswich game with a one-all draw at home to Man City, which uh, I remember quite clearly. Georgie King Cladsey ran the show for Man City. Yeah. He, he uh, wins the on that same thing. Funny you should say, King Cladsey. He wins the best play to play against us this season. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And uh, strong rumours that he was going to sign for us for the next couple of years. Yeah, really. yeah. Um, There's a programme uh, in the Adrian Eath era where Adrian Eath talks about how the deal's almost over the line to get him. And then obviously huh. it should never mentioned again in the programmes after because he obviously falls through. He, there was all these rumours that he was like massively overweight and stuff at that point mm. a couple of years later. I mean, he was, I think he was back playing in Georgia, wasn't he? Or something? Yeah, I think it had been a terrible signing at that point, to be honest. Adrian, you know, I think it had been a brilliant signing for this season we're talking about. But I think in a mm. couple of 
because he'd completely lost the lost the plot, really. Yeah, but he, he set up the equaliser, King Cladsey, uh, right at the death. I remember that yeah. one. I was, I was sat very close to the Man City And that fans. poor Man City side who ended up getting relegated, by the way. She's not a good Man City team. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, I think at this point I still expected them to be good. But, mm. yeah, as you say, down they went. Um, we had a one-all draw at uh, Bradford City. Dean again on the score sheet. And then, mate, we're gonna we're gonna have yeah. to bring the mood down um, because stuff starts to get bad for a little while around here, and this yeah. is genuinely one of the most well, yeah, tragedy is a strong word. Uh, you know, nobody died, but um, Dane Whitehouse's career came to an end at Port Vale on twenty uh, second November, nineteen ninety seven, and yeah, let's let's talk about Whitehouse. He um, you know played his entire career with uh, with the Blades. Yeah. Famously scored goals uh, against Wednesday for us. A, a brilliant. I mean, I only saw really the the end of his the, like <clears throat> the last couple of years of his career. I didn't see him get those goals against Wednesday or anything like that. But a brilliant left winger, just like a yeah. real a proper goal scoring left winger. And um, I think it'd have been perfect in the system we played now on the mm. I mean, obviously Stevens is amazing. I'm not going to make. I'm not going to even get into that debate. We were better, but. Yeah, the work rate and everything. He played exactly how you want a Sheffield United player to play. He weren't afraid or anything. He was an amazing goal scorer, really good finisher, brilliant arriver in the box late and stuff. Mm. Uh, but he were, he were, I remember like, he, was like, he, he were consistently linked to believing. Yeah, true. Uh, which shows what a good player he was. He was always one of those where, oh, are we going to lose White House this year? Yeah, Sheffield, uh, Sheffield lad as well, of course. I, I'm just trying to look how many... How many goals he scored for that season? One, two, three. Uh, so he, he, only got, he only got three in the league, but I think he got some more in the Cups as well. Yeah, he got 50 career goals overall in 244 games. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, he was, I, I guess, one of the you know contemporary legends of United. And uh, Gareth Ainsworth, horror tackle, ended his career in a nil-nil draw and... Um, yeah, that's still a that's still a bit of a, a thing, in it. You know, if if you're ever wondering why United fans seem to hate Gareth Ainsworth, it's because of that. And you know, there's all the the rumours that he he never apologised. I mean, I read an interview with Ainsworth actually. It says he sent him a letter. Uh, he sent Whitehouse a letter and never heard back. So I don't know what's that I, his I think side of it. It goes to show how well like Whitehouse was with the, if you did a poll now. Who is the most hated opposition player of all time? I think Ainsworth would undoubtedly be in the top three because of that incident. I think you're right. Um, United fans tried to storm the uh, the Port Vale coach after this one, as in the yeah. players' coach. Although uh, Ainsworth was not actually on it, apparently. Yeah, no, no. Her, I think I, I think Whitehouse's dad did exactly the same, I believe, as well. Uh, mm. match. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he was sent off, was he? No, was no, he? no, he wasn't sent off. No, he wasn't sent off. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen the tackle. I don't think I have either. I was going to say it's, it's obviously. I mean, you know, horror tackles generally aren't. I suppose, although maybe they are in uh, in, in the modern the modern game. But um, yeah, it's, it's obviously not included on any sort of footage. And a, a nil nil draw with Port Vale is not one to no. live long in the uh, archives of football. I suppose, no. but yeah, really sad. Whitehouse, you know, they, he, I think he spent the next couple of years trying to trying to come back. He played a few reserve games for us, but. Never appeared for the first team again uh, and eventually retired in 2000, I think. Really, just a, a terrible way to end your career. And he, he was really in his prime and a you know, a key part of what was genuinely one of the best United teams probably of the last, I don't know, I don't know how far back you want to go, but certainly yeah. 
Certainly up to Wilder's era. The best I would have said before Stevens came on the scene, it'd have been an absolute shoe in for my if we were playing three five two for my left wing back role. Um, and like I said, I don't really want to get into that debate. We were better because it's so difficult. But there were a thing that's in one of the later programs about Whitehouse's recovery, and he was actually set to. I don't know if he did, but he was set to do pre-season with the team the year after. But obviously, it never. He never got to play a game again. So. Yeah, really, uh, really sad for him and uh, sad, sad for uh, the rest of the team and the fans that love watching him. I suppose at the end of a, the end of a great career. Um, moving on from that, we uh, got a win against Crew with a Fjortoff goal and then a dramatic three-two win over Stoke City at home with uh, all three strikers Taylor Fjortoff and Dean on the score sheet. Uh, we then lost a couple of games in a row, 2-1 uh, away at Norwich, 2-1 away at Charlton with goals from Dean and Market in those two games. Um, I'm just thinking if there's anything I need to jump in with here. Now we're heading into the end of 1997, a home win over Swindon Town, Dean Holdsworth and... Oh, here we go. We signed Dean Saunders yeah. at this point, which in hindsight is a slightly surprising signing. He was apparently unattached. Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, signed from Forest. Yeah, I think he'd been getting a free transfer at Forest, yeah. Uh, and again, he was not. Uh, you know, he had to, he had plenty left in the tank. I think. What was that? He was. I guess he was thirty three. That's surprising to me. Thirty two, thirty three. Well, I think point. about three three seasons later, he ended up in the Premier League with Bradford, didn't I? So exactly right. Yeah. Um, you know, extremely prolific Welsh striker. Uh, played for Liverpool, probably most famously for Aston Villa and Derby. Um, quite a wealth of striking options that we had at this point. You know, Fjordov, yeah. Dean. Gareth Taylor, Marcelo still in the wings. Yeah, and we still and had then... Andy Walker and um, Andy Scott at this point as well, who were obviously not the best players or anything like that. But I mean, Andy Walker were good for us actually for, for that first yeah. game. Uh, I but, really liked him. But yeah, they, I mean, we had yeah, that, I mean, they're not poor players to bring in. They're not youngsters or anything like that to bring in from the wings if injuries got too much. Yeah, and, and Saunders actually, it he, 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 he was a very good signing for us. I thought. Yeah. Uh, he, he got a goal here. I, I don't know if you have how many he ended up with him the season, but he's certainly some really nice finishes. And you know, you look at the the highlights, and he's he's not short of a bit of pace, mm. bit of movement, and uh, he scored an extremely memorable goal later in the season, which it, we'll get a mention for he sure. He actually finished that second top goal scorer that season um, uh, behind Fjordoff, which is weird because obviously they both only played half a season. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Fjordoff got eleven, and Saunders got ten. Uh, they were the top two goal scorers that year. Decent effort. He signed. When do we know when he signed? It must have been around end of November, start of December. It was uh, his first game at thirteenth of December. Okay. Oh, no, yeah, sorry, ninth so, uh, of December. Yeah, so around that time, anyway. Yeah. Right. So he's, yeah, this was uh, his first first goal on his home debut. Then um, one all draw at Berry on the twentieth with Dean on the score sheet again. Boxing Day, a two all draw away at Stoke. Taylor and Dean, and then uh, to close out nineteen ninety seven. A resounding 4-1 win, an exclamation point on this season, really, I think. It was in the season so far. 4-1 win over Charlton with goals from Taylor, Saunders, Dean and Marker. Do you know who scored Charlton's late consolation goal? Uh, Mark Bright. It was Mark Bright. I still remember my dad being livid (laughs) that Mark Bright had scored, even though we'd won... Four one. <laughs> that was yeah. uh, oh, that was a fun. I mean, I think that's... Were on TV. I didn't actually go to that. I watched that one in the pub with my yeah. dad as well. Um, but that was because Charlton at the time. I think they were above us. They ended up in playoffs. I was going to. In fact, they got promoted that season. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that were an amazing win. That four one. You know, against a, a fellow promotion uh, challenger. 
Yeah, it was it was a demolition. I mean, that was I remember that didn't flatter us. I don't think that that scoreline. We were absolutely just magnificent in that game, and and that ended um, nineteen ninety seven for well, us. I think it's uh, worth noting on that one Charlton game is the rumours before the match was Gareth Taylor was about to leave, hmm. and I think that the fans had really taken to Taylor that season. I think his performance had been fantastic, even though most of them came from the bench and stuff. I think that he'd really, you know, his performance was we everyone wanted him to stay. And at the end of that game, he threw his shirt into the crowd and everyone thought, you know, that where it were going. And mm. the response he got from the fans, you know, all singing his name and stuff. And we thought, yeah, well, that's the end of him. Without meaning to sound like, you know, uh, uh, to dramatise this uh, thing that we're doing. But little did we know that it, he wasn't <laughs> going to be the striker that uh, actually ended up leaving. Indeed, yeah, I, I can remember the fans actually singing uh, only one Gareth Taylor. Yeah, that suddenly uh, suddenly come back to me that one. Yeah. Um, a, a couple of other bits of business just uh, before we finish this section. Uh, Patterson joined Berry at the start of December. Yeah, just on that, sorry, Patterson thing. That's a really yeah. strange one because he played every single game for us where he was fit up until he yeah. got sold to Bure, who were below us in the league. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you if you could shed any light on that because I, I always remember him being of. You know, I, I know I said he was not a good footballer, but I do remember him being like a really key part of this team. He yeah, was he was. The, he played every man. single game. There were a couple of games where he were out injured, but then as soon as he got fit, he came back in again, and then all of a sudden he was just sold to a team below us. Very weird. Man, mm. I probably should have researched that a little more, but to follow up on Twitter. David mm-hmm. Lee, uh, defender, joined on loan from Chelsea. Um a wild Bobby Ford suddenly appeared on the team sheet, or on the highlights, I should say. When did we sign Bobby Ford? Any idea? I can't tell you exactly the, the date that we signed him, but um, we he, he sort of came into the team pretty much as soon as Patterson left. His, his debut was on um, 6th of December, which is literally the, the last the game after Patterson left. So I imagine we brought him in and sold Patterson to sort of try and balance the books to some degree. Yeah. What did you make of Bobby Ford, his United career? <laughs> well... On this uh, program thing here, yeah, where it's just your your uh, best moments of the season and stuff, the signing of the season. Bearing in mind, we signed Babakis, Dean Saunders, blah blah blah. The one, the man who won it from the most votes was Bobby Ford, which is absolutely out. That blew my mind. That I have to admit, we we signed Delas, we signed Babakis, we signed. I mean, Dean had left obviously by this point. We'd signed Saunders with the second top goal scorer, and the fans. Graham Stewart came in later on as well, and the fans voted for Bobby Ford as our best player, our best signing. <laughs> lost for words. It is. It's insane. It's in, you, the best thing about Bobby Ford: unbelievable penalty taker. He was a good penalty taker. Fortunately, yeah, that came, comes into good effect uh, later on. Uh, but we will take a very quick break, and we'll be back with uh, the the next section of this season review. Quick break to tell you about one of our sponsors. In fact, the first ever sponsor of Blades Pod. I'm talking, of course, about the Den Blades fanzine created by Blades for Blades. The next edition looks at the past and present of United and features two flippable front covers, plus interviews with Michael Doyle, Neil Collins, Seth Bennett, plus tons of great articles and illustrations put together by a very talented bunch of United fans. Just a heads up that, like so much of the country, Issue 5 will be delayed slightly due to the coronavirus, but they are still planning to publish the full complement of fanzines over the course of 2020, so do not worry. You can get yours now from denblades.co.uk. Now back to the pod. We're back with, with Section 3, where things uh, things start to take a bit of a turn, I suppose. But yeah, we're starting, uh, starting 1998 in third place 
pretty nicely set, I would say. And yeah, a wealth of attacking players in the team and generally things looking pretty decent, I think. Um, we FA Cup started. Uh, we overcame Berry after a, a replay. We drew one all at home uh, with a Fjortoft goal. And then uh, 10 days later, defeated them in the replay with the goals from Saunders and Fjortoft. Um We had our first league game, which was uh, first league game of the year, I should say. Mm. Away at Sunderland, um, and I think this was the point where I, I felt... I, th- this was one of the only times in the season that I had a suddenly like, oh, there's a team that is actually a lot better than us in yeah. this league. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Th- they weren't even at the top of the league for that matter. Um, we lost 4-2, a very a very exciting game. Very good um, Sunderland side, as you said, though. And I think it's important to note that with Quinn and Phillips up front. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember some of the other ones. Quinn, Phillips, Alex Clark. Ray... Lee Clark, of course. Yeah. Um, line up, was it? Is that right? Line up, yeah. Line up Perez in the net. Uh, Kevin goal. Ball. Uh, Kevin Ball, yeah, very good. Is Craddock playing for them there? I think Craddock were like... in there as well at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, really good team. And uh, I, I don't know. I felt like I, I mean, I, I wasn't at the game, but by all accounts, four two was slightly flattering. I think for us, uh, yeah. Saunders and Taylor got our goals, but well, well beaten. Um, I do want to get my timings right here because uh, a, a bad thing happened <laughs> during this yeah, period. Yeah, that, that you but, are right. To um, we we played a uh, Borough uh, in the game after uh, with Dean. Uh, Dean Dean starting Fiotta came off of the bench and scored. Uh, sorry, that was the game before. Uh, the game after was the replay against Bure, uh, where Dean didn't play, but had not actually been sold by that point. Fjortoff did play and score, and that's when it happened. <laughs> so is this the... Uh, I, was trying, I couldn't find the date for it. Is this? Is it after that game where the sale it, happened? After the Bure game, uh, the Bury replay on the Tuesday, and before the Wolves game, which was on the Saturday. Right, OK. So this is the thing that everyone still talks about and is is the where were you when moment mm. united yeah. looking going great guns you know look well set for a promotion charge as i said at least for the playoffs but pushing for automatics as well what's the most logical thing to do sell your top scorer and your arguably best player on uh yeah to uh, a team uh, a team overseas or Sell both of them on the same day. Sell both your top scorers, Dean and Fjortov. Yeah, I want to say the two top goal scorers they were. Whatever you think about them as players or whatever, they were the two top goal scorers. So it's like last season selling Sharp and McGoldrick on the same day. Yeah, yeah. And and then basically saying we'll just roll with uh, Leon Clark and Connor Washington for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's hard. I mean, I was trying to think of it for the current squad, and I think it's it'd be like us just selling probably Baldock and Stevens, I think, or maybe O'Connell and Basham on the same day. You know, if you're yeah. just doing like a... Because it's not like, oh, we sold a midfielder and a striker. It's like we sold... And I know we had some other good players up front as well, but we sold easily two of the best player, uh, strikers in the whole division. Yeah. And the fact that they went to a higher level, I mean, that's the other thing. A lot of these players that get picked off, they ended up going to... A level above, didn't they? So Ben uh, Dean goes to Benfica, uh, and Fiotov goes to Barnsley. We we're in the Premier League at that point, and yeah, I think I think when people accuse United fans of being negative and having this kind of it'll all come crashing down attitude, this is the uh, the post-traumatic stress disorder inducing period. I think. Do, do you remember do you know any? What's, yeah, what's incredible about what I can't get made around from a from a United business point of view. 
Is that up until that point, we were still signing players for fairly big money until about, you know, Graham Stewart came in, uh, the big, like, just at the end of November. So there were no transfer window, were there, Dan? So Graham Stewart mm. came in at the end of November for a decent fee, about 750000 or something like that. We brought Saunders in, and we imagine his wages, even though we were a free agent, would have been pretty big. Yeah. Why were we doing that if we were in the position where we felt financially we had to sell Dean and Fjord? I can't get my head around it. Yeah, I've I've no idea, um, and it's it 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 marks the beginning of the end of this kind of, I guess what could have been for this team, and and Completely. certainly for the manager as well. I mean, um, you know, we we did mention it earlier. You know, we had spent pretty big money over the last couple of seasons, so there is, I guess, an it was probably an element of like, oh crap, we actually need to, you know, if we can get some money in, then we probably need to do it, <laughs> even at the sacrifice of. Our season, mm. but I just thought it was, uh, I thought so. It's fascinating, like the, the sort of the very obvious divide between Spackman and the board. I mean, Spackman himself described it as a, a traumatic week. Uh, you know, he was, he was also citing a lot of injuries in midfield and defense, and he's clearly very, very cheesed off. He is talking like someone who just had his best two players sold from under him, and yeah. I thought that was quite fascinating in a way. You know, the the, the total disconnect between what the manager's doing and what the board are doing and how different that is to today. Well, I don't know if you've seen... Have you seen the interview with Spackman about this later? Um, For instance, like after his managerial career, he had no idea. No one told him. He got told by someone at the club. I can't remember who it was, just basically like a a tea lady or something like that. It wasn't that, but you know. And they found him and said, you know what you're going to do about Dean and Fiona? And nobody had told him. So it was very much underneath him. It wasn't just a, a case of, look, we're going to have to sell him because of this. He wasn't told anything. They'd just gone. He turned up for training one day. They weren't there. Yeah, some absolutely unbelievable. We also sold, during this period, we sold Don Hutchison to Everton, I think, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mitch we, Ward as we, well. Mitch Ward left. Uh, Carl Tyler was sold. These are all key players. These are not fringe players at all. No. Um, we did get John O'Connor in return from Everton for Don Hutchison. Yeah, Every cloud. <laughs> Every cloud, indeed. Do you want to? Um, I mean, you you, you uh, pulled all this information, I think, from the the programs or wherever. Yeah. But I, I just want to give you the floor for, I guess, what was going on uh, around around the club. I suppose during uh, during the end of Spackman's reign and you know these sales and stuff and the kind of things that were being uh, written in our program. Well, and uh, it was all insane. How the, I mean, everyone spins it. Every program, for instance is sort of, they, they've got, um, you know, uh, they, they spin it to, to a positive thing for the club, and I get that. But in this particular programme, we had a in-the-net feature, which where Roger Barnard, I, I, I have to admit, I don't know who he is, uh, used to select quotes that were being said on the old Viewpoint Sheffield United forum, which I believe was the only Sheffield United message board at that time. And it was like nothing had happened. It was like we just sold Deed and Fjord off. I imagine the message board was in absolute meltdown, and there's two letters. Normally, there's like six or seven letters on this uh, in the net page. And there's two letters from people. One of them was talking about how we need to get in the real world and everything else is just a fantasy. If we expect promotion, we're always going to be a second-tier side. I mean, you can you imagine the anger. And that's the one they picked. And the other one was a massive, massive letter about how the website could be improved. <laughs> <laughs> It was as if they just sort of tried to dismiss that it had ever happened. There were a thing in the program where Dean and Fjord off left where they had the, you know, when they they give you the career rundown of them now and they scored and, well, we wish them well at the next club. 
Mm. Just, I mean, and I, it's a hard decision for a program. Obviously, it is a it is a club thing. You can't be in there saying what the hell's Mike McDonald doing and all this sort of stuff. But it really was as if nothing had happened. And obviously, Spackman left a few weeks later, which we'll get onto. Spackman's program notes. Uh, for, he'd left by the Ipswich game. The program notes for that game was actually written by Spackman and included in that program. Which I think almost like sort of sums up like nobody knew what was going on. Indeed, and uh, I see you, you've uh, you've noted down here that uh, Spackman's program notes after the game after they were sold mm. uh, says that Dean was on a one year deal and the deal was too good to turn down. Fjortoft left as he wanted first team football. He was yeah. kept out of the team by Gareth Taylor, which is uh, interesting. I'm, which I'm I believe sure. if Fjortoft hadn't had started the game before he was sold and scored. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that. Uh, I mean, it, yeah. The simple solution is uh, Barnsley made an offer for him, and we're like, "Yep, thank you, take the money." And the thing is, if you're going to sell Dean, Fjordoff's going to play, so it doesn't make sense yes. at all that Fjordoff's left because he couldn't get first team football. When you, absolute nonsense, and uh, you know, Spackman, we all know, like since has said that he didn't know anything about it and stuff. He's obviously playing to some degree in those program notes to the board and 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 trying to calm the situation down or whatever and make out like you knew about it and it made sense and stuff but there's definitely an undercurrent of bitterness I think there if you if you read between the lines yeah absolutely I mean and this came out of nowhere really. I mean look Dean signed in the summer mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and we sold him what like four months later I mean that's that doesn't happen in football really no. does it unless you get like a, a young player who suddenly does something amazing and then a, a bigger club swoops in for him that was Bizarre, and then as you say, a fan, a real fan favorite with Fjortoft as well. And it was, I mean, I don't, I don't personally have a clear memory of like where I was when I found out about this or what I was doing. I suppose but... I remember that someone told me at school, and I can't remember who it was, but someone said United sold Dean and Fjortoft, and there were a lot of crap going on at school as you, as you know, you know, people just talking, oh, we're signing him and all this. Hmm. So I sort of like, did really, and then I remember going into the shop because uh, I went to Meadowhead School, and I remember going to the shop uh, on Meadowhead. And um, it was the back page. I, I might have even been the front page of the star. I always remember the star, though. Dean Solfield or Sold or whatever like that. And I'm like, wow, this is bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Uh, somehow we, we you know, rallied round and uh, beat Wolves 1-0 at home in the uh, the next game with Marcelo on the score sheet. I suppose we, we did have a lot of strikers, I guess. It's just uh, yeah. Yeah, sell, selling your two best ones is not always advisable. No. Uh, one all draw with Huddersfield at home next. Saunders on the score sheet. Then a one all draw at Portsmouth uh, with an own goal by the Portsmouth goalkeeper. A uh, very unsavoury incident of um, yeah. uh, linesman getting. So Simon Tracy got sent off for tangling with Sammy Igo. I He's good it at it, any Tracy. He must have more sending off than any other goalkeeper in history. I'd like to. <laughs> Jeez, I certainly certainly think of a few more. There's another one at Man City who ended up losing six. There one at Man City. There one at uh, Tottenham, which is an hilarious. Oh my god! Yes. Clip if you can find it. I don't know what he's trying to do, uh, but yeah, he got sent off a few times, didn't I? That was uh, the, the one you mentioned at Tottenham was immediately after they'd uh, brought in the back pass <laughs> law, yeah. so he, he could no longer pick it up. So he's like the archetype of the. Uh, oh crap! <laughs> I have to I have to actually play yeah. to my feet. Um, yeah, he got sent off. Um, we ended up with Sean. I don't know where Sean Derry appeared from, but we signed Sean Derry at some point. Yeah, and he yeah. Fin- he was a, a a right back slash defensive midfielder. We were sort of using him as that. Mm. He ended up finishing this game in goal. But the the unsavoury incident I mentioned was after Tracy got sent off. 
a uh, rather delicately put by the season review person was a a fan in a Sheffield United shirt was yeah, um, yeah basically knocked out the linesman. Well, by all accounts, he wasn't a regular. I think somebody I, I might have got this slightly wrong, but. I'm pretty sure that he wasn't a Sheffield United fan as such. He just ended up going to that game for whatever reason and then not the linesman out. So. Yeah, <laughs> not great. <laughs> not great at all. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm... Uh, I, might, I might be extrapolating too much that this is like, you know, symptomatic of uh, yeah. what was going on behind the scenes and stuff. But it's it's kind of hard to resist that narrative in, uh, in retrospect, I think. Yeah. Um... Right, I just want to make sure... Uh, okay, Spikeman's... Uh, yeah, we've obviously talked about it already. Spikeman's end is, is approaching, I suppose, at this yeah. point. Um, we beat Oxford 1-0 with uh, Bobby Ford scoring against his former club. A 2-0 defeat at uh, Birmingham City and then another 2 all draw with QPR with goals from Saunders and Stewart. And then we reach, uh, yeah, what what proved to be Spikeman's last game. I'm not sure what the kind of tipping point was, but we beat Bradford City 2-1 at home. Two goals from Gareth Taylor. One of them would would not have counted today in uh, in 2019-20 in season. Um, no. I don't know if this was the winner in the end. I can't remember. I was, I was at this one. It was hilarious. Basically, Bradford wellied it clear. It whacked against the referee, rebounded 40 yards straight to uh, Taylor, who was in on goal. And he uh, he scored to what, what I believe proved to be the winner. Um, but you've missed and- out on an incredible signing, by the way, which was a certain Ian Rush. Oh God, was this around this point? He'd signed, yeah. Uh, yeah, he had signed by the Queens Park Rangers game away to the two-two, which was his uh, um, just before the Bradford game, um, and we were linked so heavily with Hamilton Record at this point after Dean and Fjortov got sold. He even featured in a program where they were basically saying he'd signed. It, it, it was like saying, "Oh, Hamilton Record, we hope to sign this, you know, this player," and which is unusual for a program because obviously yeah. you don't really you don't normally get that sort of news unless it's actually happened. In the end, we signed Ian, Ru- signed Ian Rush instead. <laughs> Hamilton Rico, a Colombian international, I think, was pretty... And people were giddy about this because they were talking two, three million at the time, which were a lot, and they were a Colombian oh, God, international. Yeah. A bit exotic, you know, you think, oh, you know, this, this could be good. Hamilton Rico ended up going to Middlesbrough, uh, and as I said, we signed Ian Rush on loan. And he wasn't good. Let's uh... <laughs> That were it. Yeah, managed. four games, zero goals. Uh, bizarrely, still played for he played for Newcastle. He played for Leeds, and excuse me, he was on loan from Newcastle, yeah. wasn't he? Um, I mean, Ian Rush is a, a genuine legend of this, this is it, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I think he's got like two hundred goals for Liverpool. Played over six hundred games in his career. I won it all, I believe. With uh, well, we had with well, one, they were uh, the, the couple of games Bradford and QPR where we had Russian Saunders up front, which you know, <laughs> in, in five years earlier. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like ultimate Welsh strike, all-time great Welsh strike force yeah. there, obviously. But he was, he was, he uh, was Bob Orr, unfortunately, absolutely terrible. I had the misfortune of it, of seeing him play. I think he was in that Bradford game, is the one I remember seeing him playing, and he was yeah. woeful, truly, truly woeful. And that, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was the end for Spackman. I mean, one thing I should mention is uh, Spackman's assistant Willie Donachie had left by this point to join Man City. Um, I'm not sure he joined as an assistant or as a coach or as he joined as a manager. I can't, I can't remember. Any idea? Sorry, what was that? You just broke up a little bit. It's all right. 
I say uh, Willie Donachie. Yeah, uh, who was... I think he was the first team coach, and he went to um, Manchester. Uh, sorry, ever did he go? No, Man City. Where... He went to Man City. Which, yeah, again, um... I know Man City are a big club than United, and they were were even then, but they were like third from bottom in the league. So it go. I think that sort of say suggests that something wasn't quite right as well. Yeah, that was uh, that was slightly bizarre. Um, after that home win to Bradford, Spackman resigned on the Monday without. Any public statement, although he did, he was interviewed in the, um, uh, what was it, in the Independent a few days later. He said, I made my decision to step down over the weekend. My decision was not an easy one, but I've taken it and it stands in my letter to the chairman. I said that if it was the board's wish, I would stay in charge of the team against Ipswich and against Coventry on Saturday. That was uh, the FA Cup game. But in the absence of any response to that letter today, I have to assume that this offer is not acceptable. So, yeah, we, we went a good few weeks uh, with this bubbling under, I suppose, and then uh, yeah, obviously came to a head for Spikeman, and he was like, "I'm, I'm out of here." And uh, I think he's stop. I don't blame Spikeman for a number of reasons. Obviously, he's having his best place sold beneath him is the main reason. But his stock were pretty high at that point. You know, we were playing mm. really good football. He put a good side together. We were top six. We were definitely in the hunt for automatic promotion. And I, from his point of view, he's probably thinking, "Well, you know, my first team coaches obviously." jumped ship uh, we're having a place all from beneath me clearly there's no communication whatsoever at the club I'm doing alright why not yep. you know <laughs> well I mean he's done magnificently if we're being honest his, his record yeah. uh, as you, you you've put in here is 43 games in all competitions as manager only 6 defeats 20 wins 17 draws uh, we were through to the FA Cup quarter final which I'll come on to uh, top 6 side as you said really it was exciting to watch. Scored a lot of goals. Was just a a really enjoyable team to watch. But he uh, obviously decided enough was enough. Uh, fed up of the um, the boardroom shenanigans, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Mike McDonald, the uh, the club chairman, was um, uh, he was he was not very. Uh, he didn't say some nice things about Spackman afterwards. Yeah. Sp- Spackman was never the same man after Willie Donachie left. When the pressure came, he couldn't cope with it. I was persuaded to give him his chance when we lost Howard Kendall to Everton. I had an experienced manager up my sleeve then, and I do now. But Nigel got the job, although I was never 100% sold on him. Mm. And today it looks as if I've been proved right. By going now, he has put his own self-interest ahead of the club. And no one can forgive that. We spoke on Monday night, and I asked him about his problems. It turned out to be all hot air. At the end of the day, he was not experienced enough to handle it. Shots fired. If that was... I mean, you'd get destroyed for saying that kind of thing today. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a, a few. Yeah, it, there's a few bonkers chairmen out there at the minute, you know. But but that reads like the Bolt. Oh, I forgot his name now. The the guy was uh, destroying Bolton a couple of years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. It, insane. I can't believe he was. Uh, I can't believe he went on record and said that. To be honest, I mean. He was yeah. a very emotional man, McDonald, and I think that's what happened when he resigned or, or quit as chairman. He made a big thing about how we didn't get enough fans through the doors, and how could we expect Premier League when we weren't getting, um, we weren't average because we weren't averaging twenty thousand. To be fair, at that point, uh, but that, you got to remember, this is not a lot of teams were at this point either. This is a different sort of era to what it is now. And he went on a big rant at the fans, uh, and then he obviously there were protests at the Ipswich game after, um, and that's when he sort of threw his toys out of the pram basically, and that were it. Yeah, that was a, a 1-0 home defeat to Ipswich Town. Um, and then, yeah, McDonald's, you say, stepped down as club chairman uh, immediately after this, basically. He remained as chairman of Sheffield United PLC, so he was still involved in the club. Mm. 
And of course, replacing him as United chairman is one Kevin McCabe. What happened to him? <laughs> I know. There's a name I haven't thought about for a long time. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny to think that um, yeah, there's uh, that was a long reign for McCabe. It really was. It, for the yeah. twenty odd years. Um, uh, Mc- McDonald, excuse me, said uh, in in his uh, I think it was interviewed also in the uh, Independent. He said, "I'm not here to be abused." I've always said from the outset that, outset that on the football side, once the fans don't want me, I will go. We're in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, in the top six in the league, and the fans are not happy for some reason or other. Yeah, oh yeah, I, mean, I wonder I, why that is, yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't possibly imagine. <laughs> I've, said, I've said all along that if they're not happy with me, then I won't be there. Uh, and true to his word, he, he stood down as chairman. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I, can't imagine, I can't imagine why people were cheesed off with him at that point at all. I mean, yeah. only one of the... Best seasons in a long time and a return to the Premier League um, or Premiership as it was back then. Uh, Unraveling this era, us. by the way, this little section, by the way, is going back to the uh, the message board, uh, the in the net feature. Uh, again, obviously, you imagine loads of anger about and all this sort of stuff. And the only sort of quotes that we got was, let's live in the real world and have a laugh. It's only a game from old Reek Blade. And someone called Raggy who says, we will never ever average above 22,000 and we don't have the fans. Let's just accept it. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah. What was this? I just want to mention this as well. The uh, In the first home... Uh, I'll let you take this. It's uh, talk about the programme notes from McCabe uh, at the first game after Spackman's departure. Do you want to, uh, I do you want to just read this I one? personally think this is one of the worst written sort of speeches from um, a, an authority figure. It's Kevin McCabe's first programme notes where he says, United are not a club in crisis twice. which sort of <laughs> suggests that we are in crisis. I think if you're basically nothing to see here... Everything's going fine. And it's just so much spin. He's, he's talking about how well things are going. Don't mention the sales at all. Don't mention really Spackman going. Doesn't mention, he says Mike McDonald were a fantastic chairman and, you know, he, he's upset that he's gone down. He's saying how well Thompson's doing. Bear in mind, this is Thompson's not won a game at this point. <laughs> he, he's, he's lost to Ipswich and it's just after the uh, the Coventry game where we, we drew one, which is a great result, don't get me wrong. And then he, well, he does the old McKay thing of ending with, we are an ambitious club and we're going to take this club forward and all this nonsense. Yeah. And in, in a later programme, about three weeks later, McCabe says that we're no longer a selling club and by bringing in Sean Derry and John Cullen, this shows that we are spending money on the side. This is just a few months after the sales of Fjord, Off Dean, Ward, Tyler, Hutchinson. But because we brought uh, Sean Derry and John Cullen in, we're not. that shows that we are, uh, you know, we're not a selling club. Unbelievable! There's a great uh, unintentional comedy in the. This is going back a couple of weeks um, in the season review video uh, commentary. Nigel Spikeman launched his new two hundred fifty thousand pound signing John Cullen into the fray. I think it's uh... there a post on S two forum uh, where because I, I posted McCabe's uh, thing on the S two forum. McCabe's article and said like well, this is madness what's he saying here you know from ages ago and so on. I actually met John Cullen when he first signed and I said oh are you going to be the saviour and he goes well everyone seems to think I'm a forward and I'm not I'm a midfielder oh uh, yeah and he just like, had one good season he had one half a good season with uh, Bury or Hartlepool I think it might be Hollywood. Yeah, and um, he, he, he said he was genuinely worried because everyone was saying, oh, you're the new striker, and he had never played up front. So this scouting going into that is just mind-boggling, isn't it? Oh, my Lord. Um, you mentioned, uh, just to uh, tick this off, I suppose, Steve Thompson, uh, who was a coach with United, uh, took over in uh, in February. Uh, he was a player with United as well. This is, uh, I guess, by far his highest-profile 
appointment all the way through his career. I think did he manage at Southend? I'm sure I saw that. Earlier. Yeah, he did manage um, Southend. I think that's the only place he actually did anything with. I think he kept Southend up, uh, mm. and then he left Southend to become an assistant manager for some reason at Notts County. Uh, hmm. And then came on to our coaching staff, and then he went. He had a couple of managerial jobs after, which never he never did anything. Yeah, a um, an interesting looking fellow. It's probably fair to say. Uh, again, in that review video, is uh, is rocking the uh, the polo neck and the shades. Not not while he's managing United, but, but uh, I saw someone on Twitter. Right, you have to forgive me. I'll, I'll try to have a look who it is before. But uh, the the comment when you tweeted the picture of him saying he looks like a character out of the fast show. Yes, absolutely love. <laughs> he absolutely did, yeah. But he took over um, uh, in caretaker mode, I suppose, and then was was later made permanent, uh, ma- well, permanent manager for the rest of the season, anyway. Um, and yeah, so this is uh, this is in February, and uh, we will take a quick break and then pick up with uh, United's charge in the FA Cup and one of the the great nights at Bramall Lane. Left foot. Patrick's Day and the Irish eyes are smiling. His hand was outstretched as he committed himself one way. And with the luck of the Irish, he saw it off the post. All right, on to the FA Cup and uh, the Irish eyes smiling on St Patrick's Day at Bramall Lane. So how do we uh, how do we get here? This is up to the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. Uh, we beat Bury in uh, in a replay, as mentioned in round three. We beat Ipswich Town in uh, also in a replay uh, in round four, and then we beat Reading one nil at home. Uh, in round five, with Lee Sanford getting on the score sheet, I think we signed from Reading. Is that right? Yeah. Or he used to play for them? Stoke. Stoke. Yeah. Oh, he went. He went on loan to Reading. Yeah, that's that sounds. In '97. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he must have played for Reading earlier in the season then. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, 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 yeah. He scored the goal that knocked them out and uh, put us into uh, the quarterfinals. And things were fairly rosy at this point. I don't know if we'd sold. We might have sold Dean and Fjord off. This was a. Early February, but um, yeah, yeah, we are. Spackman yeah. was Spackman was still the manager, but then come the quarterfinal, we're joining us Coventry at the start of March. Uh, Spackman is no longer the manager. Steve Thompson is now caretaker manager, as mentioned. Coventry, a very good team. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that this was their the year they were um, they stopped being a like perennial survive on the last day of the season type yeah. team in the uh, Premier League. They had. England international Dion Dublin, Darren Huckabee, very exciting striker. Forty-year-old um, Steve Grizovic in goal played a decisive role in this cup tie. Uh, Gordon Strachan, of course, as the manager. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't think anyone gave us a prayer really. Going, you know, uh, we the... would. Yeah, I mean, this, it's, it's easy to say our oh, Coventry because of the Coventry of today and the Coventry you sort of remember the Premier League were, like, as you say, perennial strugglers. But this were a really, really good Coventry side. Um, so to we had no chance. We'd lost as manager. We didn't have a manager. We didn't have any play. The club were absolute crisis. Chairman had stepped down. You know, it did just the most back to the walls ever sort of performance. I think that I've ever seen from United. That 
Yeah, I thought we were going to get hammered, yeah. in all honesty. I really did think we were going to get hammered, but we did not. Uh, Nicky Marcus somehow avoided multiple red cards. One of them, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he has the goal to appeal that he never touched the guy for the penalty. Um, I can tell you, we very definitely touched the guy. Yeah. Uh, that was a penalty that gave Coventry the lead. Dion Dublin, uh, well, no, he didn't send Kelly the uh, the wrong way. Kelly went the right way, didn't yeah. near it, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, more on that later. Was it you um, who said that Dublin always went the same way? Always goes the same way. Always, yeah. Always. Maybe not always, but certainly a lot of the time it goes that way and uh, that became quite decisive in the replay. Um, Marcelo equalised for us uh, with with one of the great moments, I think, of this season and <laughs> for a very long time just how stupid it was, I suppose. But <laughs> A lovely finish. He almost gets snapped in half by the Coventry defender and then just smashes it in off the uh, off the near post. Yeah. But we've got to talk about his celebration. <laughs> he runs to the United fans, rips off his shirt and throws it in the crowd to reveal that he is wearing underneath another United shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, do you, do you think he was always playing in two shirts? I imagine just... so, yeah. I imagine, I imagine that were his thing. I mean, I think this whole game, sort of, more than any other sums up that season. There's bits of brilliance. There's out-and-out out comedy. And then, obviously, it, the game finishes with Peter Couture missing an open net. Oh, my Lord, yeah. So, yeah, as I say, 40-year-old Steve Grizovic in Coventry's goal. Uh, the match is heading towards uh, one all and a replay. And uh, Peter Couture charges down a clearance from a Grizovic, blocks it, it runs towards Coventry's goal. Now it's it's not a great angle, but it's an nice angle spot. that professional it's an angle of professional footballers should be able to roll into the net. Kachuro has about fifteen years of uh, youth on a Grizovic, and somehow a Grizovic catches him up and It was fast Kachuro as well, it wasn't a slow player. I know. Um and a Grizovic said it was uh, his ability to get back was uh in thanks to him giving up smoking a few months earlier, which <laughs> sounds magnificently retro now, looking back on that. But uh, I have to say, Grisovich looked every one of those 40 years as well, didn't he? He, was, uh, yeah, yeah. he, he, looked, uh, he looked an old 40, but he was a very good goalkeeper at that point. Um, just on the point of Peter Chiro's aside now, he was at yeah, trying top goal scorer in the 96-97 season the year before. And I remember he made a massive impact, didn't he? Really well liked as a player. I don't know what happened to him this season. He didn't score a single goal. And I think he... I remember him being absolutely abysmal all season. He was. He was... I don't know how to describe it. It was It was like he'd... It was like he'd forgot how to play football, honestly. Like, he just... He was he was useless, wasn't he? Everything he did was useless. And, um, and as I said, he was really good the year before. Top goal scorer. Played in the playoff final, I think. I think it was certainly first choice anyway, or pretty much all season. Yeah, I think you're right. It was also someone that nobody could agree on how to spell his name. Yeah. On uh, on my my spelling of it, and I don't just mean me. This is just the one I've used all along, and, and is, it does appear on some websites. Yeah. Kachuro, K A C H U R O. In the program, it's K A T C H O U R O. So it's cat. I remember, I remember that. people used to call him cat. Cat. Yeah, I, I remember seeing it catch Kuwaro as well. <laughs> Definitely saw that Wikipedia, which maybe this is the Russian spelling. Yeah, Wikipedia has got Peter Kachura, which is uh, ah, I have seen that. Yeah, I think he, he called P- that on Actual Soccer Three. <laughs> ah, so P Y O T R, and then K A C H U R A. So 
The man of many spellings. He was man uh, of many Be- spellings Be- and no goals. <laughs> no goals. Belarusian international. Um, I think we said this a couple of weeks ago, but I think the only Belarusian ever to play for United, um, even to this day. Uh, obviously, actually, I don't know how old Belarusia is. Probably not that old, is it? This <laughs> is no, a major gap. No. Major gap I, I, in my. Have you had any uh, Russian players though? Uh, not that I can think of. No, it's, it's not even called Belarusia, sorry, it's Belarus. I don't know what. Yeah, about. but I mean, obviously it's all part of the. Well, it was part of the old Soviet Union. I don't think we've had any sort of um, players from that from from there, have we? Not that I can think of. Uh, Tweet in if you, if you know, because. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I can. I can... Google that actually because I have a, a wonderful resource somewhere. So we're just going to quickly check this. Right. One second, Russia. No, not a single one. Wow. And only. Uh, well, that's the only, only one. one. Yeah, obviously it's not Russia, but you know, it, uh, yeah. a couple of years earlier it would have been classed as part of the Soviet Union, obviously. So. Indeed. So uh, yeah, unfortunately, Kachuro, uh, to the surprise of probably nobody, was not able to take that brilliant chance and put us into the semi-finals of the FA Cup. So we went to a replay. Um, we also signed Paul Devlin around this time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. After Thompson was made manager, uh, didn't re- I? Don't feel like Devlin was super involved this season, but he was in the years coming. I, I, I really liked him much. Yeah, this, this season and the season after, he didn't really do much. He didn't do much under Brooks. He didn't do much at the beginning. He only really came. He was actually when Warnock first came. Uh, yeah. Devlin was on loan. Uh, I think it was at Notts County because he'd not really done anything. He was just sort of a. You know, a, uh, yeah. a, a nothing sort of player, really. So, then he just came into life, didn't he, under Walnut for a couple of seasons, and he probably our best player for a long time. Yeah, I remember him scoring quite a few goals for his under Warnock, mm. and just a, a proper live wire right winger as well. Great cross. Yeah. You know, he was always one of those guys, always just going to drop his shoulder and beat his defender. And, yeah, I really enjoyed but watching him. But these it, first two, two, three seasons, he he was just a, a bit, just a, like I say, a nothing player, just a bit of a squad player. Yeah, very strange indeed. Um, did we play a league game between this and uh, yeah, we beat Reading four nil at home mm. in the uh, in the league uh, in between the two games. Yeah, uh, Stuart Marcelo Taylor and Wayne Quinn. A rare goal for Wayne Qu- Wayne Quinn. Is that his? I think that was his first ever goal. That yeah, yeah, it was. It was his first goal. Yeah, uh, quickly on Quinn actually. Um, this was his debut season. I think he was only about twenty one or something like that. Um, Really, really good left back, I thought. Or left wing back, I should say. He was in the England uh, under twenty one squad this season, which is good for obviously his first ever season. He ended up getting the England under twenty one squad. I was excited about him as a as a football fanboy because I don't know if you remember, but England had a proper dearth of like mm. left sided attack. I, I seem to remember it being like pretty weak at kind of yeah. left back around this time. It was like what was it, Andy Hinchcliffe and. I don't know if Lasso was involved. Yeah, it must have been Graham Lasso, I guess, around this time. Yeah, I, I was like. Go ahead, sorry. sorry, I'm fairly sure. I, I can't find this in the program. I might be imagining this. I'm fairly sure he got into an England sort of provisional squad. Not the initial, you know, not the official squad. You generally take like 30, 40 players away. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he was in one of those squads, which would have been under Keegan. Was it, was it Keegan? Uh, yeah, 98. I mean, at this point, it would still be Hoddle. And oh, Keegan of took over. Yeah, Hoddle. Keegan took over in sort of September. So Yeah, Hoddle, it would have been Hoddle, yeah. Yeah, um, what was I going to say? He did play for England B, which may be what you're thinking of. Um, the last Possibly, ever yeah. England B international, which was before the 98 World Cup. I don't know if you remember this, but Letizia scored a hat-trick in that game and then was not included in the World Cup squad. Um, and then for whatever reason, we no longer have B internationals. But Quinn was uh, was involved in that game. So I had uh, 
Yeah, I had high hopes for him. He ended up being sold to Newcastle of the Premier League, of course. And then, I don't know, he, his career kind of kind of petered out. He, he played 139 league games for us. Um, so he got sold to Newcastle a couple of years after this. Yeah. Uh, and then he went back on loan to us, uh, on loan to West Ham, and then I think he got an injury, and his his next team was basically non-league in uh, in Cornwall, turning out for yeah. Penzance. I remember and him coming back and being fairly excited under Warnock, um, yeah. and he was pretty poor. I think it coincided with that awful. We ended up even playing Kozluk at left the left back instead of him. Who boy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Quinn and Babakis was uh, that was the the Stevens and Baldock of the day, and it was. Uh, it was very, very good indeed. Um, on to the replay, one of my all-time favourite nights at Bramall Lane. And uh, someone's done a brilliant video for Den Blades, actually. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. I, think uh, so. I think it's it Rob Stevenson. Sorry, sorry, Rob. I want to get your surname right. Um, Rob Nicholson. There we go. Yeah. Uh, I'll, tweet, I'll tweet the link to it if you've not seen it or go and check out Den Blades on Twitter. But it's basically a, a rewind of this Coventry uh, cup tie, both legs. And... I was so obsessed with this game. Um, I had, I must have watched the highlights like a hundred times. I had it recorded off TV. I have sat next to me right now a picture, a photo signed by Alan Kelly of the man himself saving Dion Dublin's penalty, Madness. as as taken from the uh, the cop, which is a very beautiful moment indeed. Um, this this actually was the first FA Cup match I ever went to, and I remember coming out of it going, "Yeah, it's not bad." The FA yeah. Cup, isn't it? it's quite <laughs> quite enjoyable. Yeah. Um, where do you want to start? Do you, let, we have to spend a bit of time talking about this one, of course. What was uh, what was your, your memories of, of the game? It was also, I should say, uh, I think by far the biggest crowd I've seen at Bramall Lane. It's twenty nine thousand, which was very close to capacity at that point. Uh, Coventry had both tiers of the Bramall Lane end, and yeah, felt felt like a sellout, like an experience I'd not well, I'd not experienced before. Um, yeah, what, what, what's your memories from it? You know, as soon as everyone mentions this, game, it's two things. Remember, it's all both from my, my same uh, mate who he was sat next to me, and when Tel- Telfer scored for them, didn't he? And when he took the free kick, he said, "Ah, oh, you've." F that one up, aren't you? And it went in. We're like, why did you say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the other one was when we equalised. His his arm got stuck behind the seat. Uh, oh we were God. all jumping around, and he couldn't get. And he was screaming, and we thought he was just celebrating. <laughs> and he's going, ah, like yes, like shouting his face. And he like he couldn't move his arm for about two weeks after. <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> that's, the, that's that's the thing I remember from a personal point of view. In the game itself, I remember it being a pretty. I think we pretty much got schooled in that first half. Uh, by Coventry, I thought they were. By, I don't think we created anything, did we? Looking at the highlights back, I don't think we did yeah, anything. I think we had like a co- couple of chances where it sort of, yeah, like all it was kind of like almost got on the end of things. Like I think Taylor had a header, yeah, uh, and like oh, you have one lifted. Uh, there was a really good save, weren't there? Uh, Grisovich made a really yeah. good save from uh, Holdsworth. From Holdsworth, yeah, yeah, where a forty-year-old Oggy with incredible yeah. reflexes to push that on. I keep sorry, I keep saying his age like I've I've got nothing against yeah, ages, people. Yeah. He's old. one of the few yeah, players older than us, though, isn't he? So we were allowed to, you know, to keep true, bringing it on. I, uh, I should I've, cling to it. Two yeah. things, the, one of the things that I always remember from that game as well is an extra time how well we played, which coincided with the mm. subs of uh, Lee Morris, who were obviously he made his oh, debut yeah. that season as well. And uh, Delas, who we'd not see much of. And I remember those two players thinking, why aren't these two playing every week? You know, yeah, they right. were amazing. Delas were playing in midfield. Uh, Morris on the left wing were causing all sorts of problems. And we didn't really see him again until, like, you know, much until the end of the season, neither, for some reason. Yeah, Morris, uh, obviously son of uh, Colin Morris, mm. 
famous Sheffield United player. Um, another another player I was very fanboyish about actually. Yeah, uh, Lee. That is, I, I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was our answer to Michael Owen. I'm. I'm if <laughs> he like wasn't for injuries, he had a striker. great career rider in, but obviously unlucky, unlucky with the injury. We sold him for about four million, didn't we? Yeah, you get to Derby. Yeah, I went to did Derby. We get... Yeah, and then I think he got bad injury, and that was about it, really. Did we get Kozluk and like Jonathan Hunt in return? Yeah, like yeah. That? So yeah, we're good at these sort of deals, aren't we? You know, getting rid of Mitch Ward yeah. and getting John O'Connor in or whatever we called, and then yeah, never do a swap <laughs> deal. <laughs> No, indeed. Um, yeah, Paul Telfer gave him the lead with a, a free kick from miles away. This was like, uh, I mean, it must have been 35 yards. It was a, it was a one earth are you doing shooting from there one. And he hits it well, but it skids along the ground. And it's sort of, do you know, it, it looks to me, the more I, when, because uh, I've watched the highlights this a million times, mm. it looks to me that we've like relayed the turf in the goal mouth, if you, if you look again. Yeah. And the ball skips up just in front of Kelly, who is probably... A bit surprised that it's a shot at all. I don't uh, blame Kelly for that at all. Um, yeah, it's right in the corner, to be fair. Yeah, there's and, a and bit of commentary. It's not on the one on the season video. I can't remember who it is. And they say something like, Kelly will be disappointed. It's like, it bounces twice before it... Yeah, uh, and it's not um, <laughs> it's not very high-intensity reaction from the defenders uh, around it. Because it's one of those no. freakies that's kind of tapped wide of the wall and then Telford just blasts it. So, yeah, that was 1-0. Yeah. Um, Lee Morris, I remember winning the corner actually in the in the last minute that we ended up equalising yeah. from. Ball is uh, headed around the box and then uh, yeah, David Holdsworth. I might have called him Dean Holdsworth a couple of times during this. Actually, now that I, I do often, is, uh, yeah. Is a, there's a lot of deans involved in this season, obviously. <laughs> um, Dean Holdsworth being his twin brother. Is his twin? Is his twin? Is his twin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, David Holdsworth, who's our captain, Reg. Volleys in this over. Was it just me that called him Reg Holdsworth? No, I that called him yeah, Reg was. a lot. Yeah, many a time. Yeah, <laughs> thank God for that. That could have been. <laughs> um, yeah, Reg Holdsworth. Uh, just you know, not something you expect to see from a central defender. He was a pretty no nonsense central defender as well. Very, very good one, mind. Uh, just overhead kick wellies it into the back of the net in front of the cop and. Yeah, people went absolutely insane. That was definitely the most I'd celebrate a goal, I think, at that point. Yeah. Um, I do remember there were a few Coventry fans sat behind us on the row behind us in the south stand. And mm. I can't remember how it became... I think someone had sort of spotted them, maybe, but they were they were not being idiots, you know. They, yeah. were, they were being fairly polite. And I, I think they... I do remember them, like, leaving just before the end, just being like, should we just... Uh, I think they... I think they basically got up to leave and somebody, you know, give them a snarky comment. And they were like, well, you know, we think it was probably just best if we uh, yeah. toddle off now, basically, you know, good game, good luck for the rest of the season. Very amicable, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. But I do remember turning around after we'd, uh, after we'd scored and just seeing those empty seats and thinking, oh, flipping out. At least they didn't throw imagine, tennis balls uh, on the pitch anyway this time. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, blow whistles or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a, a, an amazing moment. Really just uh, incredible. And as you say, we were brilliant in... Uh, in extra time as well, um, Taylor went really close with a with a header, but ultimately ended one all after extra extra time and went to penalties. And this is why I brought up all our missed penalties from earlier in the season because uh, we take the first penalty and it's Gareth Taylor and it's it's not good. <laughs> he sort of scuffs it straight down the middle and Agrizovic saves it very very comfortably. And at yeah. that point, I just thought, ah, oh, bugger, we're going to lose 3-0 on penalties yeah. here. Um, but fortunately not. 
Alan Kelly. I mean, I mentioned the um, St. Patrick's Day, of course, when uh, this game took place. Uh, and I remember the uh, the cop singing Ireland's number one extremely vociferously. And he had a history and... in a penalty shootout, obviously, with us, Alan Kelly, where we beat Blackburn, um, mm. what, three years early, four years early, something like that. He saved, saved one in that one as well. So I think he sort of reveled in those penalty shootouts. It was certainly a better penalty shot stopper than Simon Tracy. I don't remember stopping too many penalties. I remember Kelly saving quite a few. Yeah, um... He, he looked like he was enjoying the occasion. I, mm. I, re- I remember doing like a sort of jelly legs thing as he was walking towards yeah. the cop, like, a, you know, like, oh, it's so loud kind of thing, like a wall of noise sort of thing. It was really impressive. And Dion Dublin scored a penalty in the first leg, of course, steps up to take Coventry's first and uh, always goes the same way. And uh, Kelly knows this, dives to his left and saves it. And this is, um, yeah, on this photo that I've got framed down here, you can see fans in the cop pointing pointing left as they look like that's the way he's going that's how he's going <laughs> of course that's exactly what it is yeah. not a good penalty at all but uh kelly saves it and uh yeah a bit of a bit of a momentum shifter um i don't have this in front of me but i think roger nielsen scores yeah, the next he never one, scored right? a goal for us uh, he was awful yeah he <laughs> never ever scored a goal for us and yet he blasts in a penalty like he always had an, a, like a ridiculously hard shot on him Nielsen and in our, I can't believe he never scored actually because he went for a lack of training he had, he had a lot of shots <laughs> yeah I, I just thought he was a bad footballer to be honest I don't know if I'm being slightly unfair weirdly but ended up I, at Tottenham oh god yeah so he did yeah. that really surprised me um he had a, a mini, uh, a mini Stuart Pearce psycho Euro '96 moment. I thought in uh, in celebration where he was, yeah. The camera cuts to him, and you can see he was, I don't know, obviously a bit worried about what fans might have done if he'd not scored yeah, the penalty. Yeah. Um, and I certainly remember being like, "Oh my lord!" When I saw it was him not stepping it. forward. <laughs> yeah, there was a slightly unlikely. Lineup of penalty takers. I don't think I don't know what Gareth Taylor was like as a penalty taker, but as a striker, you know, you kind of expect him to step up. Yeah. But anyway, Nielsen, Nielsen scores. Um, do you know who takes the next Coventry penalty? Is it Borough? Uh, I thought Borough took one a bit later. Uh, might have done, but anyway, whoever takes it, uh, Kelly sort of dives the wrong way, but sticks out a hand. It's another pretty poor penalty down the middle. Sticks out a hand, gets a hand on it. The ball basically bounces across the goal line. Mm. Hits the post and stays out, and yeah, one of those like delayed raw moments. Yeah, like, has he saved it? Yes, he has. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, Kachoro takes our next one and puts it about twenty <laughs> rows back what in a the penalty goal. That was that's that's a, such that sums Kachoro's season up so well. That penalty. I've never seen anybody and um, penalties. You don't look confident. I, I don't even at the time thinking. Even when I watch it back, you're thinking, "We're obviously we're not going to score." <laughs> And then yeah, the uh, I can just picture it so clearly from the replay. Just like puffs out his cheeks yeah. afterwards, like what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> how, how am I playing football? <laughs> um, Tell for scores for Coventry. So it's actually one all at this point mm. uh, on penalties. Uh, Ford scores for us. As you say very good penalty taker. Uh, he ended, he's got one this Wednesday, I think. The next season, did he? Or the, yeah, yeah, like yeah. he's got a couple actually. He's got against West Brom as well. A couple of seasons after, I don't think he ever missed one. That's always always good, and uh, yeah, stuck this one away. Coventry's next penalty, whoever it was that uh, stepped up to take it, was saved by Kelly. It was uh, a pretty poor one, and that put us in the box seat. It meant that if Wayne Quinn could score his penalty, we'd be through to the semi-finals of the FA Cup. Quinn, of course, smashes it into the top corner, like easily the best penalty of the lot, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, incredible scenes, pitch invasion, 
Steve Thompson getting mobbed. Uh, apparently, <laughs> one uh, one Chris Wilder was apparently on the pitch at that point. Who was uh, was was just there as a fan. He was not playing for us, although we did sign him uh, a few weeks after this, I yeah. think. And uh, yeah, in- incredible night at Bramall Lane. One of my all time favourite football memories, and one of the one of the main reasons I wanted to do this retrospective actually. So. Um, yeah, any uh, any final thoughts on uh, on that one? No, I mean that that was just incredible. It's just one of those nights that you don't you you get those basically once every five years, don't you? We've had an amazing three years under Wilder, for instance. There's been quite a lot of those sort of big events that we've won the Wednesday away and stuff like that. Um, but obviously getting promotion, but it's not often, especially in that era, it didn't happen that often. I think that was probably the best day as a United fan since the uh, the the day we beat Blackburn. On penalties, and that was possibly the best day at that point up until when we beat Forest, maybe in the playoff semi. Yeah, I'd say so. Maybe um, I'm just trying to think of that uh, FA Cup run that year. Did we beat we beat Leeds in the quarterfinals of that year? Yeah. We? But I think this I think this is this is more dramatic. I think I think and also what we'd been through in the previous month of yeah, you, know, you sell your two best strikers, your manager's gone, you've got a you know, with respect to complete nobody in charge. Well, I'm about and... to say that we've sort of skipped ahead of that a bit. He got after the Coventry performance. He was giving it till the end of the season, which seems so knee jerk. But I think it also shows that we were in such a desperate measure. I mean, you you picked an article up that we were linked with Lou Macari and Mick Wadsworth, weren't we? Yeah, Mick Wadsworth. Mick Wadsworth still with the blades, isn't he? I did not He's know there. that. I knew he was at one point, but I didn't know he was still there. But yeah, yeah, stay with the favourites for the job, and then we ended up just giving it to Steve Thompson till the end of the season. Lou McCarry, flipping. I know. Out. I think his son played for us as well. Though. Sadly, no longer with us, I don't think. But yeah, I think his son was. Uh, I think his son was in his youth team at that point. Yeah. Ah, did not know that. Um, but that was it, mate. It was a great, uh, a great moment through to the semi-finals of the FA Cup, which. Uh, We'll get on to in the final section of uh, of this podcast, um, including how the uh, how the season ended and uh, yeah, what what happened immediately afterwards. I suppose so. Yeah, we'll take a, a quick break. All right, one more break to tell you about another of our sponsors. I'm talking, of course, about Beer Fifty Two. Beer Fifty Two are offering a free case of their handpicked beers to Bladespod subscribers. All you need to do is head to beer52.com/bladespod, sign up, and cover the four ninety five for postage, and they will send you a case of eight free beers. Not just any beers. Beer Fifty Two, the world's most popular craft beer discovery club, they're on a mission to find the best beers out there and deliver it to their members each and every month. They do not hold you to ransom. You can leave at any time with no cost to you. Sign up today, get your free case of craft beer. You get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the word beer, then the numbers 52.com slash bladespod. Now back to the podcast. All right, on to part five, the the end of the season, uh, a, a reuniting or a, a re uh, resuming of hostilities with Sunderland. We start the season against Sunderland and we finish the season against Sunderland, but a fair bit happened in between. Uh, first of all, Chris Wilder signed, of course. Can't can't not mention that. Uh, and he, he played a few games for us uh, in this in this running, um, and played in the playoffs as well. Mm. Uh, immediately after the Coventry game, we drew nil nil away at Man City. They were still getting big crowds, and when they twenty eight thousand there, yeah, yeah. Decent effort. Next game was a home game, a two one win over Port Vale. Marcelo scored the first goal, but then we can't not mention the second goal, which is another goal that wouldn't have stood these days, I don't mm. think. But this is the infamous Dean Saunders throw-in goal. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, the Port Vale goalkeeper hurries out to kick the ball out for a throw-in with uh, Saunders basically 
about to intercept the ball. Saunders picks up the ball, has a quick look around, throws it off the keeper's back as he's facing goal and running back, and then just uh, curls it beautifully into the empty net. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible that that hasn't... I mean, I suppose this is a, a fairly specific situation where a keeper's come out to the sideline yeah. to uh, intercept it, but... Yeah, lobs it off Muscle White's back, and you can't do that anymore. No, you, you can't. can't. Uh, I, I love that goal. I absolutely conduct, love it? that goal. I just think it's 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 technically not the best goal, but just the quick thinking and stuff. I, yeah, I, I I remember. I mean, I missed it. I was at that game and I missed it. I remember like just turning away and talking. Next minute, balls in the gate. What? What? You know, <laughs> like what's going on? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Mills got an yeah. absolute screamer in that game as well, actually. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that on the yeah on the highlights. Yeah. Being like, wow, that, that's probably the best goal we can see yeah, that yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable goal. But then we obviously went on a, an absolutely pretty much an horrendous run after that in the league. I think we only won two after that. One, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, won two of our last nine games. Uh, April Fool's Day lost three 0 at Forest. As you mentioned, bit of a much uh, of a change team against Forest to be fair, because it was the uh, couple of days before semi-final. the semi-final against Newcastle, where Wilder played. Uh, a signing we've not mentioned is Ian Hamilton, mm. which there's a, a good reason. Yeah, one of the I really I, I don't know if because I, I was too young or, or maybe being a bit harsh. I, I I always remember him being absolutely abysmal in Hamilton, but yeah. Yep, so do I. Uh, I didn't mention Earl Barrett either. Oh, it was yeah. okay. Earl Barrett, the interesting story with Earl Barrett is that he, um, he he joined us and then left to go to Wednesday. Oh, that's, that's nice of him. Yeah, yeah. we got him on loan from, it must have been Villa, I would have thought, something like that. And then um, halfway through his loan spell, Wednesday actually bought him and he went there. Okay, I liked him. I thought he was a good player. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, screw him. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, immediately two days, uh, two days, four days after that um, Forest defeat, played Newcastle United of the Premier League in the FA Cup semi-final at Old Trafford back in the day when uh, semi-finals were not played at Wembley, which was uh, probably a, a better experience. I to be I honest, I agree with that. I think the might. Uh, I think it takes away the Wembley final, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah. Did you go to this or? Yeah, did I did. Yeah, there? I went to this. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think I could get a ticket, um, but I watched it on TV. What was it? What was it like being there? The atmosphere were absolutely amazing. And again, this is we were obviously underdogs, and in the first half we did all right. We, we defended really well. And I genuinely remember the second half getting an absolute pounding for about the first twenty minutes of that. And wherever she scored, wherever that like period, we were getting absolutely pounded. But we had a couple of really good chances. Quinker have had an hat trick on another day. Yeah, uh, yeah, there was that, that sort of late chance, weren't there? Yeah. Where, um, Shea Given was in goal when he uh, yeah. Yeah, made a really good save. But realistically, right Newcastle undoubtedly deserved to win that game, and we just we that wasn't a good United team. I think they mm. put everything into it, but by that point. We'd had so much ripped out of us, you know. We we were going up front. We, we went into the game with Marcelo and Saunders up front with Sanford at the back. Roger Nielsen were back in. Bobby Ford in midfield with Graham Stewart. It's a bit sad, really, wondering what could have been achieved if we'd have kept, you know, the, the players from earlier on in the season with Whitehouse, Dean, Fjordoff, Hutchinson, Mitch Ward. But yeah, I don't think that was, we were a good performance. Put everything into it as you as you expect, but I think we got outclassed, to be honest. Yeah, uh, Alan Shearer obviously got the winning goal in a one in nil win for Newcastle, uh, and then they, I think they got hammered by. I don't think they get hammered. They lost to Arsenal. I thought it was Man U. 
I thought that was the next year. Hang on, when did Man U do the treble? Oh. 99 was the treble. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. I'll have a look. I feel like Anelka scored maybe a couple of goals, um, but I'm not sure. They lost two. Uh, they lost year after as well, as you said, didn't they, to Man United? Yes, they made the final two years in a row. Uh, yeah, they must have. Done. Yeah, it was Arsenal. You're right. Sorry, yeah, it was Arsenal. Yeah. Um, Alan Shearer was a top goal scorer. That that thingy. Then the year after, it was uh, yeah Newcastle again. Lost to Man United two 0 Wowzers. Um, there was yeah the, the Shearer goal. Uh, it just gave me flashbacks, I suppose. But there's almost it's almost an amazing save by Kelly. Mm. Uh, at the end, where David Seaman would, of course, deny us uh, five years later. Um, so yeah, just it was just seeing a header go towards that goal and a keeper saving it just gave me flashbacks of uh, of the semi final that I was in attendance of. Um, I just want to mention that Newcastle kit it was awful. <laughs> it's like how can you get black and white stripes wrong? Yeah. It was terrible. Like, it's just this horrible, like verging on pinstripes. And then they're not, I don't know whether you've seen it, whether you noticed this, but. The numbers are in like a really crappy shield design yeah, on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <clears throat> the team was very good, that Newcastle team, though, in fairness. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have it uh, I don't have it in front of me, but given, obviously, class, uh, Warren Barton, I remember Yeah, they were an England him. international at the time. Obviously, Gary Speed were there. Bat A were yeah. England international. They had Ket Spire, remember him? I do. I remember him beating up an avatar. Yeah, board yeah, yeah. He's good. Yeah, obviously, given in goal. Steve Howey was a, an England Oh, yeah. Again, uh, Dabby's ass. Uh, good, good, good. Nikos Dabby's yeah. ass. What a name. They were a good Newcastle side. They had John Barnes. I think he came on in that game. Wow. Um, no way. Yeah, so it were a good Newcastle side. I don't think it were a, It wasn't the Keegan era or anything like that, but it were a decent mm. Premier League side. So I'm not really surprised that we lost that game, I don't think. Yeah. The FA Cup journey comes to an end, but uh, no no shame in that one, no. for sure. Um, next game was Middlesbrough at home, which was a surprisingly eventful 1-0 win. Mm. Uh, that Middlesbrough team, Paul Merson, Paul Gascoigne, Hamilton Ricard, of course. Yeah, I think yeah. it was, was it was it Ricard's debut? Uh, it wouldn't have been far off. He got booed all the way through the match and all that. But... <laughs> and he was atrocious. I yeah. remember him being terrible. And he uh, he got out-muscled by Sanford, I think, for what proved to be the goal yeah. as Saunders got the rebound. Um, he did win a penalty for Middlesbrough, mm. uh, which Paul Merson just blasted miles high and wide of the goal, which was hilarious. That, that um, Middlesbrough team, as you're talking, by the way, I'm just looking at the squad now, was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, Nigel Pearson, he were a really, you know, he's a Wednesday man and that, but he were a really good um, goalkeeper. They had Mark Schwarzer, um, Branker. Can you remember Branker? Defender? He were actually a striker, uh, Branker, but they had, like, Alan Armstrong, who went on to be a, one of the top goalscorers in the Premier League at one point. They had Ravenelli, Andy Townsend, uh, Emerson, Neil Madison. Just a ridiculous team for the Championship. And they ended up going up, uh, despite having Brian Robson. Fester, he was another one, centre-half. Gianluca Fester. Yeah. Did they have Vladimir Kinder? They that's did, that's another one they had, yeah. It was just, like, a ridiculous... Tottenham. One of the, got on paper, one of the best ever Championship teams. Like, it has to be. Gascoigne and Merced in midfield with... Andy Townsend and, you know, Emerson. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we did the double over. We did do the double the... over him, yeah. But... I seem to remember Gaza went, was, like, stretched off. Yeah, he game. got injured uh, in that game. They were taught, oh, my God, he's going to miss the 1998 World Cup, and he obviously never got picked anyway, so. God, it's insane to think this was on the eve of the World Cup, and he was... In the Championship. He was playing in the Championship, and it was an absolute... I, I for some reason I've not connected these two things in my head at all. That he was playing in the championship and 
it was a massive shock, I think, to most people, maybe. I don't know if they didn't get picked for the... Yeah, I mean, I remember at the time it was squad. huge news that Gascoigne didn't get picked, obviously, but like as you say, now you look at it, it's sort of... He were obviously out of shape, according to Hoddle, anyway, and he's playing in the Championship. Mm. You'd never have that now, would you? No, I mean, yeah, Jack Grealish couldn't get picked. So, no, no, but Jack Grealish can't get I mean, picked because he's, he's... I don't know why he can't, but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so but that was a, a, a very uh, exciting 1-0 win for, uh, against a very, very good team, of course. Um, drew the next game 2-all at home to Norwich, Stewart and Bobokis. Just quickly on Graham Stewart, um, uh, a player that most fans did not take to, I think it's fair to say. Obviously scored uh, the goal that got us relegated from the Premier League uh, several years before when he was playing for Everton. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Is that the thing that everyone held against him, or was there was there other things? Or I what? think he came in at a particular point where things weren't going that well. We just sold everybody basically, and Stewart had sort of taken on the mantle that Dean and Fuel off in Hutchinson, and you know, and he, and he wasn't as good uh, to, to to put it. And he, and he cost a lot, and he was a fairly big name and stuff. We were actually linked with Wednesday as well. Wednesday had a bid in for him. Um, I believe he was in talks with Wednesday halfway through the season and he got booed mercifully uh, when that news came out. He played in the in the game after and Spackman even in the programme notes says uh, around that time that he's, we were really disappointed with the fans for uh, giving him such thick um, because he, he needs all the you know the support he can get. But yeah, he wasn't a well-liked player at all. Mm, indeed. Uh, Baboki scored a brilliant free kick in uh, that game against Norwich actually. Mm. Uh, one all draw at Swindon followed Marcelo on the score sheet. We beat Berry three 0 at home with a penalty from Graham Stewart. He was very good at taking penalties. I will say yeah. that he scored quite a few for us. Um, Saunders got uh, two goals to make it three uh, nil. Then yeah, bad bad end to the season. We were still in the playoffs at this point. We were, we were in like a really good position to finish in the playoffs despite everything yeah. that that had happened. Um, but then we lost four two at West Brom. Uh, excuse me, four two at home to West mm. Brom. Uh, Stewart with a penalty and Marcelo with the goals for us uh, Lee Hughes scored at least one he did he was from Alan Kelly oh he just tried to like dribble it yeah, out or something yeah, he yeah. like fell over the ball almost yeah not not a good look um, we did stage a bit of a comeback to get a three-all draw at Tranmere Rovers with goals from Quinn Saunders and Devlin I think that's Devlin's first for the club then we lost um Lost 2-1 at Crewe with Ian Hamilton getting the only goal. And then we went into the final game of the season with Destiny very much in our own hands for that final playoff spot. And uh, we, I think we did our best to take it out of our own hands, didn't we? Well, the thing is, those four games, in fairness, they were all played within a week, which is unheard of now. We played on the yeah, Saturday, the Tuesday. point. Yeah, the Saturday, the Tuesday, the Thursday and the Sunday. So that's four games, you know, and, and there's a quote from Saunders in the programme who said, this is ridiculous, you can't expect players to be play at full pelt with no rest periods, which I imagine people reading the programme at the time, oh, God, you're on whatever a week, but you hear about it now, obviously, with managers. It'd never be allowed, would it? No, it's three away games as well. Yeah. I guess that must be rearrangements from the uh, cup from run, From the cup run, yeah, and we, we, drew, we lost to Stockport County 1-0, uh, but fortunately Birmingham needed to be... Charlton at home and they drew 0-0 and 
the fans behind the goal, I didn't go to that match, but I know someone who did, and they said that they didn't know if they got in the playoffs or not. The game had ended, lost 1-0. And apparently Chris Wilder came out, who obviously played on the day, uh, and threw his boots into the crowd cheering, and that's how they knew uh, <laughs> that uh, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd had, managed to get in the playoffs. But, yeah, an appalling end to the season, whichever way you look at it, despite all the gains we had. We had a easy yeah. running, Tranmere crew, Stockport, Borre, West Brom were near the bottom, Swindon were near the... A really easy run, and we managed to win two out of the last nine. Yeah, and one point from the last four games as well. Um, of course, the uh, the quirk with us finishing six. We finished level on points with Birmingham City, mm. uh, 74 points each. But somewhat fortuitously, um, teams were separated not by goal difference, but by goals scored at this point. Um mm. Is this right? I've been wondering if this is accurate. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, when I'm yeah. that just, season. Yeah. I just, I just don't remember it changing because we had a we had a plus fifteen goal difference. So Birmingham were plus twenty five, mm. but we'd scored sixty nine goals to their sixty. So that was enough to uh, see us over the well, line. Which... Birmingham actually conceded less goals all season than we did away from home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at that. We've we got the full table here. Thirty five goals conceded. That's really impressive. Uh, oh, sorry, we conceded thirty four. It's worth noting as well. We only won three away games all season. Yeah, we we were not a good away team, were we? No. Uh, Birmingham actually had by far the best defensive record in the league actually that year, um, and yeah, only only six. Well, sixty goals isn't too bad, I suppose. But yeah, it was uh, it was enough to squeak us into the playoffs in uh, in sixth place. Yeah, um, and that meant that we had Sunderland at home, who finished third. Wait, how far behind Middlesbrough did they finish? Oh, they finished a point behind Middlesbrough, yeah. so. Uh, you know, I, I guess we were hoping they would have the kind of like, ah, oh, you know, it's all, it's all falling apart yeah. kind of thing that, we, that we've been through a few times ourselves, but finished a full 16 points behind them. Uh, so fair to say we were pretty big underdogs for this one. Um, obviously, the first leg played at Bramall Lane. Um, this is actually a, a bit of a side note, but this was the first time I ever sat on the yeah. cop, I think. And um, I, I uh, liked it so much. I've barely sat anywhere since. Mm. It's uh, yeah, definitely it, it, a different atmosphere. Talking to Sunderland, by the way, in that we said they'd be on a bit of a downer. They were actually in pole position with two games to go, um, and they lost to Ipswich away two and L. Middlesbrough overtook them, and then they both won the final game. So, yeah, they were actually huh. in pole position for a lot of that season, um, and then ended up obviously blowing it. Yeah, um, but it didn't. Uh, it didn't seem to set them back very much. So you know, in that uh, semi-final first leg, uh, Kevin Ball scored a fantastic volley from the edge of the area in the first half, and I remember us being really second. We best didn't get near him in that first half. Yeah, there was something. There were a few slightly weird things in this game. I remember, or rather, in this sort of occasion, I remember. There was something at half time, like somebody was trying to like g the crowd up or something. Uh, lost me, actually. and they got and they got so much abuse, and it was almost like that angered people into. I, I, I think I've got this right. Please tweet me if I'm if if this sounds familiar to anybody. Um, and it, it almost seemed to g the crowd up. I think Marcelo came on at half time. Yeah, that's as true. Well. He came on as a sub, didn't he? Yeah, and. The game flipped on its head, to be honest. We suddenly were much... I remember us being much more aggressive, and you can see this on the highlights as well. We are snapping into tackles all over the place, and really, you can hear the crowd like really into it suddenly. Um, we won a corner after a good save from Perez. Uh, it gets whipped in, and Marcelo knocks it in, basically inside the six-yard box. We had uh, goal music for this one as well. 
um, which was again quite novel at this point. I think, or, or it was new goal music. I didn't know I don't that actually. It. Was it? Oh, the professionals were at that point. Oh, that was a little bit. We used. I think that was the previous season. Right. It was. Uh, oh, flipping egg! I can't remember what it was, but uh, it, it was a very nineties <laughs> yeah. song. Let's let's put it like that. Um, so that made it one all, uh, and then. Marcelo won a free kick on the corner of the box, um, but Bokis just curled it into the top corner in front of the cop. Mm. Beautifully, just out of the reach of Perez. He was actually quite a small goalkeeper, actually. Yeah. Sort of got a hand on it, but went into the top corner. And yeah, we'd, we'd shocked Sunderland, who obviously a massive uh, away following, taking the whole of the uh, uh, Bramall Lane end, um, just as Coventry had done earlier in the season. And uh, yeah, we had a... A slim advantage to take to um, to the Stadium of Light, and uh, yeah, it was a, a really good occasion actually. That one, I, I, yeah, you know, I, of... I remember. I, I can't get the team. I'm just looking for the team now for that game. But I do remember Dean Saunders being injured for it, um, and that were a massive blow because he were obviously our top goal scorer after Fjord off went. And I can't. I imagine we must have played up front with Kachora for some reason. I don't understand why Marcelo were on the bench basically. Yeah. Not sure, but he came, yeah, he came on at half time as I said. I just want to call out Sunderland's uh, thoughts on Sunderland's mustard away kit. Mm, yeah, not the greatest, is it? To be fair, it's strangely iconic. I think I don't know. I, I don't, maybe it's it just because I've never seen after, it. Obviously, that, those days you had to see. Yeah, so maybe, maybe it's that. But yeah, so. not a fan of it to be honest. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, Stadium of Light, final game of the season. Spoiler alert: We did not win this mm. game. Uh, we lost two 0 to make it three two to Sunderland on aggregate in front of forty thousand uh, feverish, excited Sunderland fans. I remember that being a very I mean, I was, again, we're only watching on TV, but a really intimidating atmosphere. I could tell just watching it, to be honest. And they really blew us away. I think they were tuning up very quickly. Um, yeah. The, that that uh, first half, a... we got we could have been three or four. I remember Wilder playing in that game and getting absolutely torn to pieces. I don't know if he dropped mm. Babakis or if Babakis was injured. I've got a feeling he dropped him to be more defensive. And I remember Wilder mm. getting absolutely skinned. I think it must have been by Alan Johnson. Do you remember him? Yeah, I do. Pretty yeah, sure I think, it it's, it's... I think he gave him. A, I remember him. So I remember this is bad. This I remember watching it in the pub with my dad again. I'm only like obviously not young, old enough to drink or anything, and shouting, "Why is Wilder playing?" <laughs> you know, going mad at Chris Wilder for getting absolutely torn to pieces. Uh, then we made a bit of a fight back in the second half. Actually, we did. Yeah, um, I think it was Johnson had a shot deflected off marker. Actually, I'm pretty sure it was an own goal that went in, and then Kevin Phillips scored his 34th goal of the season. Uh, we just sort of like basically deflected a shot in himself. But then you're right. Yeah, you're right. We did have some... We came on a bit strong in that second half and uh, Perez made a a massive double save right at the end. I, I think... I think we did... I know we had been level on goals when... It, uh, so on away goals as well. So 2-1, it would have just gone to... Uh, I don't know why I thought that if we scored, would have gone through. No, yeah, it would have gone through extra time and penalties and stuff. Extra yeah, but, um, penalties. Yeah, there's not that 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 sort of again. Uh, that Sunderland team were far better than that United side as it was. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, we nearly did it. There were some great saves uh, in that second half from Perez. To be fair, and who knows if they'd have scored. But I hate to see how that team would have done in the Premier League with the oh. troubles of the boardroom at the time. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. So that was that was the final uh, the final action uh, the final act on our season. Um, it was we've got a few footnotes. We'll just tick off as well. But um, yeah, it was a very a very dramatic one. Sunderland went on to play uh, one of the all time great uh, well probably one of the all time great football matches in England. To be honest, never mind the 
playoff final. They drew four all with Charlton, uh, and then Charlton won on penalties. I think seven six or something like that. It was mm, a yeah. amazing game. And Michael Gray um, was the one who missed, weren't they? So future Wednesday yeah. player Michael Gray, yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, as to United, uh, Thompson left in the summer, I believe, he, and was replaced by... On the video, obviously, which we both watched before this, Thompson's still manager, isn't he? I mean, the season's ended, yeah. and he's saying, I don't know if I'm going to be here next season. It's like, well, it's unlikely, mate, because you won, like, two out of your last nine, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve Bruce uh, takes over as a permanent manager the first, for the following season. His first season. ever managerial role. Of course, he was a player manager, wasn't he, at that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, player in inverted commas. I was going to say, I'm about to not... say that exact phrase, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, not pretty. I remember him playing against uh, Sunderland at home. We lost 4-0, I think it was. And, uh, whoa, that was that was a chasing experience. That, that seeing Sunderland how far team got better, forward. and I think they won the league next year with 101 points, so they've got Michael Bridges. Yeah, Bridges, Phillips, and um, Quinn. Quinn was just absolutely devastating. But that was uh, that was them next season. A few, uh, a few footnotes just to tick off. Uh, Curtis Woodhouse made his debut in mm-hmm. this season. He was another one that, uh, yeah, along with Lee Morris, made his first ever appearance. He's, is of course now. Um, is, is he a manager now? Oh. I know he was a he was a boxer for a bit. I'm honestly, uh, not sure. To be completely honest with you, scourge of internet trolls everywhere. <laughs> Curtis Woodhouse. Yeah, he played um, four games. Well, he played. He actually appeared in nine games that season. Which I don't know. I never never remember him with that alongside that season. I don't, yeah, I didn't know this. I didn't know he played until I saw the uh, the list. It was yeah, it was nine appearances. Yeah, nine appearances, four, four stars, four stars five yeah. on the bench. Yeah, yeah, he went on to be our youngest ever captain, of course, and uh, excuse me, an England under twenty one international himself. Um, just quickly on Alan Kelly versus Simon Tracy, it was remarkable that we had two such good goalkeepers. For so long. It? I mean, I can't. It, what a strange situation. That that wouldn't happen no. now. We we would absolutely have cashed in one of them. And also, I would imagine in, in today's football, n- neither would have settled for the other's presence almost. It would be like, I want to play. I'm not playing 20 games a season. I want to play yeah. 26 games a I season. I am a little bit obsessed with that debate and, and everything about who's better at Kelly and Tracer. I can't believe, from what, 92 I think Kelly signed? From 92 to about 99, maybe 98, 98, 99, we had two arguably of the best goalkeepers in the entire country at the same club yeah. a, a pretty much a, a very unambitious sort of club you know what I mean who cash in on everybody so I, yeah I find that inc- I still find that incredible today that we had Tracy and Kelly two, two of our all time greatest goalkeepers in the same era indeed uh, I'll put you on the spot Kelly or Tracy I always used to like Kelly I think you're a better shot stopper yeah, I think uh, I, I love Simon Tracy, but yeah, Kelly was one of my favourites. Well, I don't so. know if this were in Dead Bat, uh, the sorry, the, I don't know if it were in the Four Blades podcast or uh, the Tufty Club podcast, where someone said the only thing they didn't like about Kelly is every time he made a mistake, he used to go mental at everybody else, <laughs> <laughs> which he did do. Right? You do like an awful error and then go, yeah. One of Kelly's best performances actually was against Coventry away. He pulled some brilliant saves off in that game. Mm, yes, he certainly did. Um, I'm just looking down the list of uh, <laughs> the list of every player that was was on our books. Not all of these actually played a first team game by the looks of it. But tell me if you remember anything about Mark Beard. Yeah, I remember him coming. I think Bassett signed him. 
okay. I think he was there a while and he never really did anything under him or Kendall or Spackman, but it seems like we just couldn't get rid of him. He was still there by the end of the season. <laughs> he, was still, he was still on the bench, like, with about, you know, four or five games to go and stuff. He was on the bench for the semi-final, actually. Huh, no way. Adam Burley. I do remember the name. I couldn't tell you a thing about him. I think I remember him from Football Manager. I think he, I used to put him in my, my, my sub-bench every now and again. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel like I saw him either play or score against Bristol City the following season, right at the end of the Possibly. season. Possibly. Not sure. Uh, Kevin Davis, who was presumably the Kevin Davis. All right, right? yeah. yeah. yeah I, know. I, I thought there were another one who were a left-back. I could be wrong with that. So. Uh, actually, this this guy's listed as a midfielder, so maybe it's neither. Um, who else have we got here? Matthew George never played a game for us. No, you were on the bench. I'm about to ask you that because I've never heard of that name, I don't think. Never heard of him. And... Steve Hawes? No. Steve, what, Nick, what, sorry, Steve Hawes, I presume that's how it's pronounced H-A-W-E-S Steve Hawes, our youngest ever player at one point No way Yeah, I think he was like 17 or something when he he, played, he made his debut under Bassett uh, but they never did anything Nick Henry, I remember was kind of alright on Football Manager Yeah, he <laughs> was another one it. who was a fairly big name and never really did it, he was injured a lot Oh, I've never heard of this player v- Vila Leitinen Leitinen no, you've lost me. <laughs> <laughs> Never played for us. Or oh, not this season, anyway. Uh, Ryan Ludlam didn't play for us. Uh, let's see if there's anyone else. John John O'Connor. Almost got him John Connor there from Terminator. Um, <laughs> he made a couple of sub-appearances. Got Ian Rush, Andy Scott, as you mentioned, made six appearances. Chris Short did did play, in fairness to the, yeah, uh, yeah. the commentator who thought he scored that goal. Carl Tyler, I always kind of liked. Uh, we sold him mid-season, didn't we? Michel Vonk, oh, I remember him. Yeah, he, I he think he was a good a player, games. but he got injured and he never came back as you know. Yeah, as, good as he was. Uh, Andy Walker only one sub appearance this season, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, England international David White also one yeah. sub appearance, and uh, yeah, right down at the bottom. You can actually see why the wage bill did need trimming when you think about people like. Yeah, uh, David White and Nick Henry and Hutchinson. Hutchinson and you know, I mean, I'm talking about the players who, who didn't really play much as well. You know. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you've got you've got War, Andy Walker had been on a decent wage. Gareth Taylor were a big sign at the time. He weren't a first teamer, as I said, David White and stuff. Then we brought in the likes of Earl Barrett and David Lee. You were, you know, you were, you were mm. a Premiership. Ian Rush. So mm. yeah, I, I, it was the lack of planning that season. It, it, we just sort of went mad with the spending. And then just sold everyone sort of at the same time. I just <laughs> mad uh, with the selling. Yeah, uh, it was just the the worst <laughs> planned. I don't. I do not know what the plan was. No, it was like I don't know. It, it was like like a kid had just messed everything up, and then a grown up turned up and was like, "We have to fix all this immediately. Yeah. Like we just have to try and put everything back now yeah. by <laughs> selling selling all these players and getting all our money back." Yeah, um, yeah. We mentioned Trainers Delas. Obviously, didn't feature much in the in this game. We had no idea what to do with him, did we? No. Like where he was supposed to be playing. I think he played in midfield I mainly. He's but... got the best out of him. Not the best out of him, but the best out of him for us. Yeah, I think he, he actually he, got the got more out of him uh, by playing him in like a midfield role and stuff. But even that, he never never showed what he was capable of for us at all. No, became a truly international class central defender um, after leaving us. Um, the kits, I want to talk about the kits very quickly. This is one of my all-time yeah. favourite Blades home shirts. I thought they just got the... Uh, <laughs> sounds so stupid. The thickness of the stripes was <laughs> spot on, I thought. And, um, oh, crack him up. Mine's gone blank. Who was our sponsor? Was Wards. It Wards? Yeah, Wards. That that Wards and Labour to me are the two proper sponsors of United. Just 
I don't know if that's just the same whatever era you start watching your football. I agree team though, in. and I, I, I sort of fallen a little bit earlier, uh, like you know, taking it seriously maybe a little bit earlier than you, whatever. But that is my favourite kit, undoubtedly. I love it. Yeah, it is very very nice indeed. And I, I've got to say, I love that all white away kit as well. I thought that was <laughs> um, one of our, our, our classiest away kits. Um, certainly, I would say that's my favourite one, apart from the uh, fluorescent. Lime green yeah, I mean, well. the, the the Wards thing, obviously, it being a Sheffield brewery and stuff and all that, mm. uh, bitter and all that, you know, it, it all sort of ties into to the club. It, it, yeah, I love that shirt. And you remember the shirt, the yellow and purple, I want to say, shirt? Mm, from when? I don't know if that was the year before, actually. You're not thinking of the uh, Midas Games one, are you? The purple and gold one? No, 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 not that one. It's it's another Ward shirt. I'm actually just looking at it now. But... Oh, it's like a yeah, it's, it's yellow. Oh yeah, yeah, yellow and purple. I I feel like that gets a bad rap, but I think that's a I quality like that. away yeah, shirt. Yeah, I do like that as well. Sorry, that was '96. Sorry, that was the season before. It was, it was, yeah, I just thought of the Ward's logo and sort of yeah. I always think of Dane Whitehouse when I think of that shirt. Weirdly, I don't know if he. I think I had a pic. I think I had a picture of him like uh, pinned up on my wall, yeah. like from. <laughs> Him scoring a goal in that shirt, maybe wait at Grimsby or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, no it's getting, getting very niche <laughs> yeah. now. Um, uh, so you mentioned Ford, Bobby Ford was a player of the season as voted for by the fans. Have you got any more, yeah. any other final tidbits along those well, lines just to finish th- off? This was the, in the programme of the final thing. He said it's not official, um, the not official player of the year, but what people had voted for uh, who read the programme. The player of the year would, um, the top five, number five were Wayne Quinn. Number four, Alan Kelly. Number three, Baborkis. Number two, Nicky Marker. What? Yeah, and number one, Dave Oldsworth. So Oldsworth makes it. So what, this was the, what, the clubs voted? To, is it like the players vote or what? No, no it's, it's for the, the, a survey they'd done in the programme. Oh, where you, okay. Where you, where you vote in. You know, I imagine possibly in them days it were written in, I don't know. But Young Player oh, of the think... Year was Wayne Quinn. Buyer of the season, oh. as I said, were Bobby Ford. The most improved player was Lee Sanford. Yeah. Uh, the one that got away, uh, then in brackets, like who we could have signed but didn't end up signing, was David Johnson. Uh, number... Later signed under Warnock. As you yeah, yeah, yeah. Number number five, we um, I can never pronounce this. Joey Joey Beauchamp. Would you be? Bu... Bu... Oh, I know you mean. Yeah, I didn't know we were linked with him at all. Beauchamp. Honest, but... Beauchamp. Dude, just read that out. The the five. Uh, uh, sorry, the five jo- Joey Beauchamp, whatever he's called. Hamilton Ricard, David Lee, and Kevin Davis, who was at Southampton, so he can't have been that one. We were no. Why were we so excited about David Lee? I don't know. He must have been all right <laughs> for a couple of games. I don't remember him doing anything, but I don't know. He only played like five games, and wasn't he? I thought he was really old as well. Oh, uh, just googling David Lee. Yeah, no, with anything but anything but the footballer. Got an estate agent here. Yeah, he played for Chelsea, didn't he? And he was on loan from Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. Um, Nineteen sixty-nine. So it would have been. Yeah, I guess it'd only been like thirty at that point. Yeah, weird. I, I don't remember being excited about. I certainly don't remember being excited about Nicky Marker. He's like the absolute, just like I don't know, just the blandest thing I imaginable. I think Nicky Marker won the Player of the Season the year after, the official Player of the Season. Do, do you remember anything particularly good about Nicky? I can't Marker? remember a thing about bad. him other than that Coventry game where he like, could have got sent off. That's about it. He was just so beige, like he just. <laughs> It just didn't. Uh, I like it. Now, like maybe we're anything. too young to realise he must have had something about him. But yeah, yeah. And the goal of the season maybe. were David Oldsworth against Coventry. Performance of the season of was Coventry at home. Best ground, Old Trafford. Best away fans, mm-hmm. Coventry. 
Uh, best opposition yeah. player to play against us. This is quite the top five best opposition players against us were Dion Dublin, Darren Huckabay, uh, Pierre Van Hoydonk, Alan Shearer, and King Cladze. King Cladze. Other nominations it says included uh, Lee Clark, Kevin Phillips, Paul Merson, Trevor Sinclair, John Barnes, David Johnson, Clive Mendonca, George Boateng, which yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, Richard Sneakers, and Sammy yeah Sammy Oge. Uh, for yeah, Smith? it's funny. Samiago, yeah, that's the guy. On this list, Tracy it doesn't mention enough. any of the clubs other than that one. And in brackets, he says Portsmouth. It's like nobody knows who he is. <laughs> There's a lot of Samiagos about. Yeah, you just got to you got to determine which one. Richard Sneakers was a great name, wasn't it? Yeah, Richard Sneakers. Yeah, good player as well, Richard Sneakers. Then the final one is the biggest, and it's like expletives wheeled out to faces. It was number five, Kevin Francis. <laughs> Number four, Tariko. Number three, Andres Anderson. Number two, Paul Gascoigne. And number one, Hamilton Ricard. Who, who on earth was Andres? He played for Newcastle. Uh, blonde. Oh, and 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 yeah, yeah, and Andreas. Andrea, maybe, you know what I'm like with these sort of foreign names. I do remember him. He had like floppy blonde hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the guy, yeah. yeah. He was rubbish. Yeah, I do remember him. I'm still curious to know why people didn't like Gascoigne. So if, if anyone wants to enlighten us on that one on Twitter, I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd really appreciate it. Mate, let's let's wrap up. Is there anything, any final, final thoughts to mention about this? I mean, uh, I just, thought this would... If ever a season sums up United, I think that's the one, isn't it? I think so. It was, uh, yeah, it was a season of uh, some glorious highs and some... Yeah, some some historic lows, I suppose, mm. from you know that great start against Sunderland, Dean and Fjortov, poor old Dane Whitehouse, Ian Rush, the chaos off the field, but also reaching the playoffs on goal scored, not goal difference, the cup semi final, penalty drama, yeah. Wilder in the pitch invasion, two managers, boardroom changeover of chairman, and just so much crazy stuff, so many <laughs> players, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a wild one. Um, I don't think we had a season as enjoyable as that until uh 2002 2003 i think which admittedly was only five years later but it felt like a long gap between them before uh united became truly watchable again yeah. and uh yeah a lot, a lot of great memories uh it's been uh i've, I've really enjoyed this yeah it's been, yeah, it was, uh... it's been like lightning to be fair it probably hadn't it's about 100 hours long podcast but yeah <laughs> uh, I've enjoyed it. Uh, i think it's just one yeah. of those seasons where you can't believe if one of those things have happened uh, in any other season, that would have been the standout moment. You know, not not necessarily in a good way. Like even it's something like the the bloke hitting the linesman at Portsmouth just happened to be in this yeah. insane season. You know, so <laughs> yeah, Dean Saunders with the uh, trick throwing yeah. goal and all that. Yeah, just uh, just a mad one. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been awesome to revisit. As I said at the top, this is like the one season where I was where I went to the most games, like up to that point, if you like, and really felt like I lived every every moment of the season so it's been awesome to uh, to research it and uh, and to go back through it all with yourself and uh, yeah hopefully hopefully everyone else uh, enjoyed it as well or at least uh, enjoyed the good bits and uh, <laughs> tolerated bringing up some bad memories but yeah yeah just remember things are a lot better now as good as that season was <laughs> this is good to judge it in the uh, context of uh, Chris Wilder's Sheffield United um right mate uh, as you said, a very a very long podcast. I hope this is uh, helping people get through uh, a lack of sport, a lack of other content. Although there is, you know, there's been some good stuff published, uh, video and written content in the last few weeks as well. And uh, yeah, I look I look forward to um, yeah seeing seeing how everyone else fills the time. I suppose until football returns, whenever that's going to be. Where what are you doing actually? Have you got any? Not to put you on the spot. Have you uh, 
Have you got any content planned? I was going to do what everyone thinks of the coronavirus in terms of uh, other clubs <laughs> about how they think the season should end. Um, and I might do That's that brilliant. soon, but uh, everything just seems really boring in contrast to real football, you know. I, I really don't know. There's a few things I can pull together and stuff, but I don't know, a bit like sort of down about it all at the moment, to be honest. I know there's bigger things going on and stuff, but you're just like, you know. Sport's a big deal, man. Yeah. It's a big deal for me. It's, uh, yeah, as you, you know, always with the caveat, the very necessary caveat that this is by far not the most important thing, mm. but. Uh, a big chunk of my life is uh, revolves around sport, not yeah. just you know, not just United, not just football, but I mean, genuinely, at the weekend, I was like, like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, it got to <laughs> about know, two like... o'clock, and normally, like, if if it's an away game, I'll be getting ready to go around to my mates' house. It got to about two o'clock, and you you, you sort of your brain still in that sort of excitement mode. You're like, right, it's two o'clock Saturday. I, I should be feeling good here. I know, I know that's yeah. something that happens, and then. <laughs> was, and it's not. Uh, it's not as even if you can get into like cricket nope. or snooker or you know. No, no, no. I was uh, I was all set to um, baseball season's about to uh, theoretically about to start in a few weeks, and I was like, "That's great." Uh, I, I like baseball anyway, but um, it's it's a nice background burbling thing, and I was like, "If I have to be up in the middle of the night with the baby, I'm just going to stick a Red Sox game on, and you know, just." Basically, just watch a, a lovely sunny sport, and uh, yeah, I don't even have that anymore. I was listening to a game from 2018 the other day instead, just to try and yeah. give me something vaguely to pay attention to. But uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully this will fill a, a small amount of that that gap. And um, yeah, we'll uh, I'm sure we'll cook up a few other things to uh, look back at or, or discuss yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. So yeah, if any, anyone has any. Uh, any suggestions, I suppose, for uh, for topics? I've certainly got a few in mind, but if there's anything else you'd like us to... Yeah, same with me as well. If anyone into... wants me to do any viewing froms on, on anything, then let me know, because, yeah, it's obviously difficult at the moment because um, there's nothing happening, so... <laughs> <laughs> nice one. All right, mate. Um, yeah, people can check you out at roysviewfrom.com and at Panchero, of course. You follow me at Bladespod on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, thanks to everyone for sticking with this mammoth podcast. Yeah. It's been a, a, a blast to record. I'm, uh, I'll probably narcissistically listen back to this one myself and uh, enjoy reliving these memories uh, once again, I suppose. So yeah, thanks to you, mate, for uh, giving up so much time and uh, so much research as well and uh, helping me relive this season. It's been a good well, one. I'm not doing anything else at the moment. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheers, mate. Anyway, thank you. All right, take it easy. I'll speak to you soon. See you later. Newcastle United wait. This is Quinn. It's Newcastle against Sheffield United. Five years ago, their quarter-final win was good enough in itself to take them to Wembley. That came on penalties. This year, they have one more hurdle to clear, but it's a challenge they'll revel in after a nail-biting penalty shootout, the hero of which, as five years ago, was Alan Kelly the teasing possibility of an all-non-premiership FA Cup final. It finished 1-1 and Sheffield United went through 3-1 on penalty.